0: I'm Kay. I'm Kathy.
1: And I'm Justin. And And this is is ComicsVerse. Welcome to another episode of the Comics First Podcast. I'm your host and Comics First CEO, Justin Alba. For the first time in the history of hosting this podcast, I am not joined by my co-host, Kathy Wisneski, which is uh, slightly a sad day, but a tear, as Brian said. But the uh, silver lining is her protege, Comics First editor, Jamie Rice, is here. Hi, Jamie.
0: Hi, Justin. How's Long it going? Long time no see. I
1: know, right? It's been possibly hours since the last time we spoke.
0: And we totally haven't been speaking for an hour or so before we recorded this.
1: Yeah, and we totally didn't write the script together or anything.
0: No, no, we have just come into this blind. Like I am seeing you again, first time. Right. It's going. I think we're gonna wing it. I think yeah. it's gonna go great.
1: Who are you? Oh, ja- oh, Jamie. Nice to see you again. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, no, this is this is definitely gonna go gonna go great. We're in like the second part of our fifties. Wait, like from 50 to 100, whatever that means. So that's cool, right? Yeah, no,
0: that's the kids love that.
1: The kids, yeah, we're yeah, counting, math, and calculus, as people would say. I Um, actually love calculus. Do you? It's I. It was whoa. Calculus and I do not get along.
0: I was going to be a math major for a while there, and then I was an English major instead. I don't know what that says about me. You
1: but. know, I was, I've was i been a web developer for 11 years, and I took a course at Columbia, like intro to Java programming, the easiest programming course they have. And I walk in the first day, and he's doing like all these kinds of like crazy math and shit. And he's like, obviously, that would be log to the end. And I was like, what the? I was like, I have no idea what that means. And he was like, uh, and the class was like huge. And he was like, okay, if anyone here doesn't know what log to the end means, I don't know how you got into the school. And oh. I was like, okay. I, and I just like left. So I was like, it's time to drop this course. <laughs> yeah. And then I was like, should I not code anymore? And then little door I learned, no, I should not code. I should be the CEO of comics first. And here. here the fuck we are. Um, but anyway. But I still coded for several years after that, and I still coded. I'll be coding our comics first app. I'll be. I coded the website. I coded. Uh, what else did I code? I coded a lot of shit. Yeah, she doesn't know, but I coded. A, yeah, I've coded coded a lot of shit. Anyway, so. Jamie will actually be coming to NYC from uh, Oklahoma or North Carolina this time?
0: I'm coming. I'm in Oklahoma and then I'm going to NC, going to North Carolina. And right. then I'm coming from North Carolina to New York.
1: Oh, nice. Hey, do we figure out if you're coming out coming on Thursday night or Friday? Because I'm an advocate of Thursday I'm, night. I'm
0: pushing for Thursday. I'm just making sure I have to figure out my return flight, but I'm pushing for Thursday night. Okay,
1: awesome. That's so exciting. So uh, do check out uh, Jamie on Commiters because she came for Special Edition NYC June 6th and 7th and was here for a few days. And uh, she did a slew of amazing interviews for us with people like amy reader who has a new comic coming out moon girl and dinosaur dinosaur something we'll find out it was just yesterday that they announced this and i totally forgot the name artist from bitch planet valentine delandro brandon montclair who also works with amy reader on is it rocket girl yep yep and we have a uh,
0: podcast together and we should get them on our podcast
1: we should totally get them on our podcast right so amy reader and uh brandon montclair please uh, be on our podcast one day. And we're going to make you, we're going to hopefully ask you to listen to this podcast and this request because we just thought you guys were so awesome and you gave us uh, two great interviews two years in a row. So thank you for that. Um, but yeah, definitely check out uh, Jamie's videos, uh, her interviews, in addition to her video reviews. I think you did Spider-Man Renew Your Vows and uh, Bitch Planet issues one through four too. Yes, sir. And uh, if I can tell a funny story about Jamie that is hopefully funnier than my Nolan story in episode 50. Um <laughs> <laughs> huh
2: this the uh, funny story, the story
1: that's fun funny story. you thought it was a fun story
0: we all thought it was a funny story uh, about a funny story yeah
1: Th- jamie i love you um <laughs> now i've completely lost my train of thought while hosting this podcast tell a
0: funny story about me
1: now okay yeah i was gonna tell a funny story about jamie yeah see but the thing is i didn't write it in the script so i was like oh shit it's time to ad lib all right so ad
3: lib here well no the, it's
1: actually just an <laughs> awesome story it's not really that funny but jamie is so committed uh we hired you was it was in april or uh may it's april april. april yeah and you know I was like, hey, if you can get here to special edition, we can get you an exhibitor's pass. We can get you in for free. You can interview all these people. And, you know, we, in the past, as uh, Kay and Jamie and Brian and Malia, who will get interested in a second, no, we have had some interesting hires in terms of actors who maybe not the best at video reviews. So I was a little, you know, concerned here. I just met this girl. She's going to be doing these interviews. She's going to be doing our video reviews. And uh, she gets off the plane from Oklahoma, goes from the airport to our apartment, walks in, does three issues uh four issues of a Bitch Planet review, and what happens? It's the best mm-hmm. video review that ComicsVerse has ever done. So do check that out on YouTube. Uh, Jamie don't YouTube. Fuck around. Jamie does not fuck around. Jamie is, if you will, the Emma Frost oh, of um, so frost. Right, so frost. But, but you're kind of the Emma Frost too. I think I don't if there know. Were, if there was I an Emma that... Frost moniker, I think it would be both of you.
0: I think we're a team. Yeah. I think we do this in tandem.
1: Yeah, we're I think tandem. I I think she's Emma and you're frost.
4: The Frost is.
1: Like right, The like right, that. yeah. All right, so anyway, that's just a story about how awesome Jamie is, and her interviews are some of the best we've ever had, and some of the best uh, ever done by someone at Comics First. And now she's here in Kathy's position hosting with me, and uh, like I said, she also hosted the Bitch Planet podcast with Kathy, and you can find that link on this podcast page, so uh, be sure to check that out. And just a reminder, you can find us on the web at comicsfirst.com, on Facebook at facebook.com slash comicsfirst, on Twitter at comicsfirst, on Tumblr at comicsfirst.tumblr.com, and on YouTube at youtube.com slash first tv you know i again i we didn't i didn't really realize till this week how many people listen to our podcast on itunes stitcher and speaker but just wanted to give a shout out to you guys and soon we'll be on iheart radio as well hopefully so currently uh working on that so uh without further ado i i really like saying without further ado and you know i didn't realize i've been spelling ado wrong i was spelling it like a-d-i-e-u and then oh, I jamie guess, yeah. i saw you write it a-d-o and i was like no 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 no, no jamie as perfect as you are i think <laughs> it's this is the wrong spelling of video. so then i start writing it in the script for the swamp thing podcast and i'm like you know what let me just look this up to make sure I'm right. And I look it up and it's, and I'm absolutely wrong. Jamie Rice, Ms. <laughs> Jamie Rice, 100% right. So Why did
2: we ever doubt her?
1: I, I have no idea. I don't know how I got to be this old. And I, I mean, I've been spelling a do wrong for 30 <laughs> years. So, you know, it's pretty, 30 uh,
3: r- yeah, 30. R- r- r-
1: so, yeah, it's, it's it's totally crazy. But anyway, without further ado, let me introduce the people here on the podcast with me. Sitting next to me is the illustrious oh. Kay Honda. Hello. How Hi. are you, Kay? Hey.
2: I'm fine. Much more lively than before. I'll keep control of my giggling fits from the last uh, the last end of the X-Men episode, which you can also check out on our podcast Right. Grant Morrison's X-Men. It's a or free new country. X-Men. You can giggle as much as you want. Yeah, thank you, Malia. Yeah.
1: And speaking of Malia, how are you, Malia?
5: I'm tired, but I'm having a good time, so that's okay. I don't recommend running on 14 Hours of Sleep for the week, though. No, right, She's no. drunk. Mm. Are you drunk? She just told on me. She told you she's drunk, she yeah. Just told on me. She's drunk. Yeah, but I'm tired. Anyway. too. Oh, just, just hit my Oh, she just hit
1: her to- <laughs> tooth with the microphone. So this is in case anyone's okay. curious about how professional we I'll are. Move on. Um yeah, we can bring that up now. Oh, anyway, you're talking now you're talking down to the mic at all, sweetheart. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, was, what was I
5: supposed to introduce myself? Well, I, I think no you no, did. That's, I'm the
1: host. Yeah, I introduce you, uh, and then okay. you just I say hi, and then you're like hi, and then I go on to the next person. <laughs> I was just so asking. yeah, let's let's just let's let's do that again. All right. uh, sitting, speaking of Malia, um, <laughs> sitting across from Kay and I is no. Speaking of I I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Just okay, anyway, Malia Malia Diamond Knight is sitting across from me, and it's so appropriate oh, yeah, like that, that her middle name is Diamond because we'll it. be talking about Emma Frost. Congress um. first did not need my government name. Yeah, we use your government name, and then also, who's going to chime in is Brian here, who's been running the podcast all day, and uh, we'd be lost without him. So thank you so much, Brian. Thank you, Brian.
4: no problem. You all know my squeaky voice from previous podcast exactly, episodes. Exactly,
1: so yeah. And Brian has a uh, PhD in copulation techniques of uh, chicken and flies from the <laughs> Grant Morrison podcast. I do
4: myself, and Josh are actually launching a doctorate project. Oh, are you? Yes, into chicken fly copulation involving um,
1: Oprah Winfrey. How did Oprah get into here?
4: Uh, You'd have to ask my esteemed How did Oprah get in here?
1: Uh, I've been asking people certain questions. Oh, Josh, you're on this podcast. Oh, I have a question. Does anyone check the cast list? No, we'll just all be on the podcast. I'm totally just kidding. I'm so glad you're here. What did you say? I've been asking
6: people awkward questions about Oprah. Oh, about Oprah? Yeah, what would they do for Oprah for money, you know?
1: Was that you who we watched the Oprah's minge and uh, and asshole episode? It's going
2: to be a two hour podcast. My (laughs) my
1: question to everyone was would you for a
6: million dollars do certain things with Oprah's asshole?
2: Duh. (laughs) Yeah. I
5: can't
1: wait till Carl Bowler is the writer of
5: Emma Frost She literally has
2: her own money. Unanimously, yes. Yeah, like Emma would too, okay, except she would make mind fuck her. Emma
1: doesn't need the million dollars. Right. She
2: could just say she did. Hello,
1: Flo Rapers. Flo rapers okay so i you know ryan did something nice with a phd and i was going to bring the phd to nolan who's getting um his phd in all this chinese stuff and the ming dynasty and uh at columbia university can you help me with the chinese stuff because I, I think it's probably not the name of your degree
7: uh i'm getting a history phd
1: oh you are uh,
7: i studied the early ming dynasty from the year 1368
1: to the year 14. oh wow josh you guys should be like best friends because that's been around when you were born yeah do you speak chinese Nolan?
7: Yeah, what Oh, sure. Oh, shit. Was, let,
1: okay,
6: do some Chinese. Let's, Is let's see this, that? yeah. Uh, like. uh, oh, 天津, Okay,
7: Tianjin. Yeah.
6: Sure. Uh,
2: i'm kind of getting off on this right now i think
6: everyone
1: is yeah
2: (laughs) oh shit (laughs) don't run down the time this is
1: a multilingual podcast it is okay speak some japanese no i'm good no could just say like hello how are you (laughs) no it's cool arigato Uh, arigato i'll speak some spanish um (laughs) that's not S O C K S. S O C K S. it's like the easiest thing you can say in spanish and you can also spell socks that way brian say something spanish or italian are you italian at all I'm Cuban, Italian, and. Uh, Brian, I asked if you were Italian. You always do this. Yes. You give me the whole f- background. Italian, yes or no? The race. According Jeez. to my genealogy. Yeah, last I asked, him, I asked him how to f- pronounce his name one podcast, oh, and yeah, he starts right. going on. He's like, well, the Del Pazzo family left um, Madrid in 1614 <laughs> for America. I was like, I could give two shits. I'm like, I asked you how to f- pronounce your name. I care about yeah, Let me can, just tell Brian. you. I to know. You know what I care about? Emma Frost. Yeah. Let's talk about her. About so, her. yeah, I that's totally remember her. No point. so um anyway malia i didn't get to say that you're an acclaimed comic book and manga artist um and uh josh here is our coo and um he's our coup. our coo chief operations officer
2: so he's our coup.
1: all right yeah oh oh okay yeah (laughs) um absolutely some introduction okay and uh and again just want to highlight that Malia's middle name is Diamond which again uh, brings us to Emma Frost
5: i love for everybody to not remember that, no. that.
1: Well, I didn't even say welcome to Nolan you guys are so rude you're interrupting uh, my introduction flow hi no- how are you nolan
5: uh good i didn't get
7: too much sleep between these two podcasts but i'm holding
1: out that's cool yeah um i i, I do apologize for that it's totally our fault and um you can talk to marius fienen about it because um yeah, we can commiserate. yeah because no marius fienen um
2: he was like dead on the screen yeah he I was, was like, really yeah. worried about him no he
1: looked i i was like oh i was like when did marius leave and that guy on crack come but it was just he was just really <laughs> tired um, but yeah, I'm he like sorry. woke up at like, he kept waking up every hour. He's like, are we ready to do X-Men yet? And I was like, no. And yeah.
6: Can I say no one? I, mean, I think.
3: Santa Claus. X-Men time yet?
6: No <laughs> one. <laughs> no one. I think it's hilarious that yesterday you were ready for this podcast. <laughs> 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 yeah, I told him. <laughs> yeah, ready a day
3: early.
2: Because maybe I'm drunk. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> let's do this. <sighs> I'm actually in the future. over
7: here.
4: <laughs> yeah, that's well, true. You do have a Star Trek uniform, which uh, yeah, to be do. fair, do. makes you I'm awesome in my book.
1: This podcast. Um, wait, what? What type of shirt are you wearing now? Because last time you were wearing a Swamp Thing shirt. Are you wearing an Emma Frost shirt? A dinosaur comics shirt. A dinosaur Professor comics.
2: Science. Cool. Cool. Right.
1: No, it definitely reminds me of Emma Frost, Ooh. the brontosaurus. The <laughs> neck is like a breast. And it's I see some sort pallet. of vagine in the <laughs> tail. So definitely it reminds me of Emma Frost. And it's blue. And, does
0: Emma Frost ever show her vagine?
1: Uh, in my mind, she has a few <laughs> times, yeah.
4: What, why are all our X-Men podcasts the X-rated ones? Like, is that a, is that a purposeful is, thing? Is this is a it's late a night
2: it's podcast. A right. It's a theme. Yeah.
1: It's not late night for, for Nolan, though. Okay, so.
2: It's very early. It, it, well, not even early. Or... Uh, Oh wait, he has to go to the beach later. Okay, we have to. Do yeah,
1: we got to We gotta, we gotta f- go. Oh yeah, move. <laughs> so.
2: Because <laughs> no one has to go to the fucking beach. All right, all
1: right uh, Let's talk about origin stories and the origin of uh, of Emma Frost and. You, you know, so sorry, Kate. Like you butchered English so much, I I can't even read this. This is like reading cuneiform, and it's what types and things. There's just I like periods like in the I middle sort of a, of a sentence of shit. I uh, first, that's what you need the flow stopper wait, for? Wait, wait this. Is, okay, this, hold on. <laughs> sorry, this is like <laughs> like shit's capitalized. It's not even capitalized. Okay, I, okay. Go from right here. Okay, no, I'm cutting this shit. Who <laughs> <I> wrote this?
2: <laughs> uh, you did. Uh,
1: uh, okay. Anyway, so for this podcast, uh, we discussed the Emma Frost Ultimate Collection, um, written by Carl bowlers who is has just become my new best friend and will be on a podcast with us very soon for fact. us to discuss more Emma Fucking Frost. Um, and I know so many people are excited about that. Other fact: Emma is missing from many of the all new Marvel or all new, all different Marvel previews and stuff. Supposedly, some of the X Men are missing in general. Uh, Cyclops, wow. Emma Frost. I, you look like you don't care. You're like, wow. <laughs> I, I care, my you know Cyclops and Emma Frost were real and they were missing face. I'm sorry what happened they like go in Rogue or something isn't
7: that it and then the younger the time displaced ones are hunting them or something oh I
1: don't, I don't know
7: yeah
4: Rogue that's is in funny. I think an Avengers book or something like that
7: she's an
1: Uncanny Avengers yeah she was
4: no no like in one of the upcoming books like it's it's a non-X book I don't remember oh, which okay. one it is but I think that like x met like Uncanny number 600 or whatever is supposed to be coming out in October yes and that's gonna supposedly that. That's why like we don't know the fate of any
1: of oh, okay, cool. the X-Men, supposedly. Well I hope that Emma is not dead. If not, uh please sign the petition on comicsfirst dot com slash Emma Frost's petition, please. Because that exists. Actually, it doesn't. So please don't go there. Because you'll get a 404 error, 401 error, one of those errors. At any rate, so we'll, we'll, like I said, we'll mostly be talking about Carl Bowler's Emma Frost series, uh, issue one to eighteen. But we did have a hell of a lot of reading for this, which I know Jamie did and Nolan did and uh, Kay attempted to do, and I did over many years. And you know, Brian is here. And, and, Lili- and I just want to say that. Oh yeah, uh, too. Yeah. Well, I
6: just want to say that I was introduced a lot of Emma Frost by Justin, and became a big fan of hers. It's true.
2: That's what Justin does to people. Yeah. um, It's like a cult. Yeah, no. I, 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 I like this shit.
5: Right. And then you like it right yeah so Is that simple
1: guys. sorry am I wearing a shirt that says interrupt me like every <laughs> second I say every fucking sentence I say no um, alrighty but yes anyway so Kay and I did bond over our mutual love for Emma Frost yes. and Jamie and I have done the same Malia enjoys her too and, and Josh after one of the comic cons bought me the Emma Frost ultimate collection which we read for this and uh, it's you know definitely it's one of my favorite comics period so uh, it's so unfortunate that it got cancelled uh, mm-hmm. at some point 2005 or 6 or whatever uh, it was such a great comic and it really delves into her origin in such an interesting way there are comics that delve into her origin later and we've read those as well but yeah so we're going to talk about all of that But uh, first off, okay, since you did uh, an upcoming video that we have, I keep saying, um uh, okay, since you did an upcoming video that we have on an Emma Frost analysis, uh, you probably know Carl Bowler's work, Emma Frost 1 through 18 the most. So would you mind uh, summarizing a little bit for us?
2: No, I would not mind at all. So pretty much uh, there are three cycles in the 18 issues. And despite the fact that it was unfortunately canceled after the 18th issue was still like very cleanly wrapped up i think and the first um the first story arc is basically just um kind of seeing that like the origin story that we all relate to i'd say is because she's just going through high school as the underdog and kind of dealing with uh fitting in or not fitting in more like and then also it, it shows um her dynamics with her family and then the second arc is kind of about just her independence which is another step that we all take in our lives i think and then the third arc is her in college and kind of coming to terms with mutantness. mutantness okay yeah something okay to be a mutant she gets like she comes to terms with being a mutant in college and that's what it's about and it's really important uh that's cool
1: you skipped about 99% of the details in there but yeah that's pretty good
2: well i mean it was a summary and i'm scared now <laughs> no, I'm just you're going to like beat beat me up
1: no do i look that violent
2: no i do no i i said no
1: no you said you, you meant yes no you said no but you meant yes no
2: it's i'm kind of it's like a love hate thing you, where, you hate me sometimes no i don't it's it's like how i fear my mom okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's, really that's
3: really accurate, accurate though like you're
7: gonna ground her.
1: Yeah, I would never ground you. Yes, you would. No, I wouldn't.
7: I'm sorry I did
1: bad. You didn't do bad. I'm I'm totally, I'm, I'm just, okay, you know that I'm surrounded by the Dionysian gods of comedy when I'm on this podcast, and you can't take anything seriously that comes out of my mouth. Right, Josh?
6: Nature Yes.
1: True. Um for the record Justin's like a pacifist so. Yeah, well, I wouldn't go that far but I'm pretty close to one. Yeah. Yeah. Except that time I beat the shit out of my wife. Just kidding. I don't have a wife because she's dead. Just kidding. I never <laughs> got married. Um
2: Wait, I can go more in depth if you want me. No, no, no,
1: no, no, that's good. Just pick up the f- book everybody. But there's there's just you know there's spoilers. Just fucking read it. There's spoilers. This Jamie, do you think I'm a violent man?
2: <laughs> you're no, just you're so hung up on. Thank
1: you, thank you.
5: Your voice is violent sometimes.
1: My voice is violent? Okay. Uh, <laughs> that's thank called- you, Malia. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> you made Jamie laugh really hard. Because I, I made
0: mean, you just flowers like... Flowers
5: like, over here are like, I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> they <laughs> <laughs> Like, part of me is just saying it, and then I'm just staring at him.
1: I'm going to stop now. You know, no, it's like cool. I, you're lucky I don't I don't out you to 11,000 people about what you don't want to be outed after you just outed me five seconds ago. I did it. You did. You just totally said I have a scary voice. Brian, on a scale of 1 to 10, You've how scary is your studio? On a
4: I have scale of 1 to 10, you are a... F- in scariness but my uh, that may be affected by the fact that I'm like a foot away from you and totally within your swing range.
1: No, but I would... I've never... <laughs> no, this you, is terrible. You don't know scare
4: me. I think
6: Josh, awesome. you've known me the longest. I would dude. say like a one if anything. Thank you. So Maybe like a zero. Yeah, like, I, but, like no, a zero.
5: but it's like... Maybe it's just me, but if I like didn't know
6: you guys. You guys Justin, don't know Justin when he's angry, because if he was angry, you would I know uh, Justin when no. he's angry. I've seen it.
5: I've been friends with him for like six plus <laughs> oh, yeah. years. Well, All like, right. Like, like, are we
1: getting? It? Are we? Getting yeah. Now this is like actually we're supposed to be psychoanalyzing Emma, but we're instead <laughs> we're psychoanalyzing <laughs> Justin Alba. You guys get um, about
5: the CEO and full depth, but yeah. Plus, let's, let's okay.
1: What's Amazon. Justin's neat tragic Maybe flaw in go public persona? No, let's not. Um, let's. You're right. Let's not go there. All right. Uh, thank you for that summary. So, like, Kay didn't. Say Uh, The story starts out with Emma growing up in her family's home, and her family has, as you might guess, like any other family, a lot of problems. How would you guys define the environment that Emma grows up in? Kay, do you want to go?
2: I would say the first adjective that comes to mind is tenuous, just very tense. And I feel like uh, I related personally because I came from a family that didn't do communication very well. So... Emma does try to be very communicative with her family, I think, but it's just one-sided. It's not about her opinion. It's not about what she wants. So I guess, yeah, my leading adjective would be that it's really tense and that thankfully she connects with at least one of her siblings, which is her brother, but the most uh, severe relationship I think she has is with her father. Yeah.
1: Malia, you want to go? No. Uh, Jamie.
0: I would say that it's dangerously competitive, dangerous feels like the wrong word but it's definitely an or unhealthy it's like an unhealthy amount of competitiveness between the sisters and the siblings and they all react to it differently and it's all created by her father who I think the word we used in the question that we didn't use is hostile and he's very demanding and like enough and there's never a bar you can reach so I think it's like a competitiveness that doesn't ever lead to a goal it's just like for the sake of betterment but I mean it doesn't work that way because it's unhealthy and awful and rambling
1: no no no. uh no one
7: i think it's like this kind of like stereotype of a rich prominent american household you know where like everything is about living up to the frost name but you never really can and it's totally dishonest and they can't let any of the truth about their family out in public almost no matter what it is you know everything's like lies all the
1: time Josh or Brian, you want to go? Well, I
6: was just going to say, like, secrets is a good way to describe it. You know, there's a lot of secrets. Her, obviously, as we discussed, her father is a huge issue. And, um, but not just, but beyond that, even her brother has his own issues, her sister is crazy too. It's just a very dysfunctional family that's trying to keep uh, an image of, uh, you know, a, a good like traditional family
1: uh, i i think it's also important to bring up that her father is habitually cheating on the mother um something that emma frost realizes from a young age i, just, I think can be tr- pretty traumatic her brother is an in the closet gay man and something goes on with her sister which i think no one knows because did you did you read all of generation x yet uh no but
7: i did read the wikipedia summaries up ahead of, the, of where i read to
1: hey cool cut um, that um no i'm just kidding <laughs> Do, did you hear about the whole thing that happens with adrian
7: then she, yeah, she becomes, like, co-headmistress, right? Something and like that, yeah. Like, and then they, and oh, then shit. she goes back to the Hellfire Club. She ends up dead, I think.
1: Adrian. Yeah, Emma Frost kills yeah. her. I actually don't know that. Fact check that. Fact check. Just kidding. I don't give a shit. Um, Look it up right now. Go. No, don't. Yeah.
7: Be, you know, she'll be back soon
1: yeah uh you know who i would love to come back though and we'll talk about her in a minute astrid bloom i would love to see again yeah she was kick-ass but yeah but going back to this stuff uh, you know i think those are but i think those are all important points to remember like exactly like where she is with her family and i think how invisible she feels which will come up in Mm -hmm. a theme that we'll talk about later uh which k and
2: well it goes with the competitiveness that jamie mentioned too in exactly because like it's just like nothing is ever good enough because she's like with three other siblings and each of them kind of react differently, like Jamie said. And of course she feels like the most invisible because she's just trying to like reach a certain level of just like, am I, like, am I good enough now? And like, it's never like, cause it's not like Adrian, who's just like, I'm the best at everything. Or like, you know, like, she's just like, I got B's like you said. And he's like, it's not A's though. But it was like that standard was never set with her. So it's kind of interesting because Emma becomes so much more than that later but i think you were mentioning how she notices like or she finds out that her uh father is a habitual cheater and everything and i think it also is really important to like point out how she reacted to her mom just not Mm -hmm. acknowledging it just kind of like sweeping it under the rug being like oh you don't know what's happening there and i was like are you fucking serious like look and like and then she accidentally you know Shares those visions with her mother and then her mother gets really sick and it's kind of interesting how I'm not really sure what that means But it's really interesting that like she kind of like shows her mother the truth that it makes her sick
6: Well, a lot of times, you know, sometimes women in those kind of marriages know what's happening but they try to keep themselves in denial and when they're finally confronted with the truth It's it's hard to deal with, you know, as we've seen recently in certain television shows and uh it's um but it's intense it's something that no one wants to really confront even if it's happening so
1: so uh, how would k how would you describe um you're the only person i'm gonna ask this since you probably read this the most how would you describe emma in the very beginning of the story in in one word
2: um in one word i guess lonely i would say lonely
1: well
2: just because like i i my first impression was like severe because i think I mean, maybe that's just because I like know all about this stuff, like retroactively too. But now that I think about it, like looking back, like I think she was just very lonely because, you know, thankfully she got along with her brother. But for the most part, it's like she had no friends or anything. Like She didn't have anyone. Like your family's supposed to be there for you and she just didn't have anybody.
1: I think it's a very good point and very, very uh, well said. It's interesting though, because we all know that Emma Frost becomes the white queen of the white queen of the Hellfire Club and a major villain and after that she sort of has she gets redeemed basically and becomes headmistress of uh, the xavier institute and for those of us who were first introduced to emma frost in the dark phoenix saga like myself how does seeing emma in this younger vulnerable and as Kate put it lonely state affect your opinion of her do you have any more sympathy for her nolan uh
7: yeah you know it she as a concept, she's come a long way. As a character concept, from this stereotype in the Dark Phoenix saga, that's still pretty stereotypical in Starfire's origin. Firestar. You know, and Firestar, and uh, they to actually like start to explain why, how it is that she is exposed to all these like models of a villainous life. You know, though the the thing is, it, it's only eighteen issues, and it never actually comes. It never actually concludes with her being a villain. You, right. know, you never get to that point. But, but you can see some reasons why she might become one.
1: Absolutely, which I which I think is really we'll talk about that. Okay, we really like that, Jamie. How about you?
0: I think that she definitely everything about her origin story evokes a lot of sympathy for me, especially knowing that she kind of goes villain and then kind of comes back around. Because I mean, everyone that she meets is awful and manipulative. And we were talking about this before we started the podcast, but it's ironic because she's a telepath, but she is the worst taste in people. Like she's always making friends with these awful people who are constantly manipulating her. And I think one of the great things, or well not great, but one of the things that like makes me feel a lot of sympathy for her and her loneliness and isolation that she kind of self imposes is that Astrid kind of manipulates everyone around her to act a certain way. And so then it's like, she can't even trust that people really love her for her Astrid's like, how do you know you weren't accidentally telepathically convincing Ian that he really wants to be with you and not with your roommate. Mm -hmm. And she was like, and she didn't do it, but she's kind of like, I don't know. Like how will I ever know Mm -hmm. if somebody has true feelings for me? If I'm like afraid that I'm accidentally telepathically planting it there. It's like mm-hmm. she can't... We'll, we'll probably talk about it later because we talked about it before, but it's like her desire to be seen. Like, she's just like always isolating herself because she can't trust anyone. Like, she...
2: She doesn't trust herself either.
0: Yeah, it's like her trust issues are so deep. Like, no one is trustworthy. And it probably... And I mean, it starts with her family, but
2: yeah, for sure. it just
0: keeps getting continually beaten into her with every person she meets rejecting mm-hmm. her or like being manipulated like how can you trust anyone yeah
1: no i totally agree and i think even if you look at some of her more positive relationships like with her mm-hmm. brother christian although she trusted him in in many many ways she couldn't trust him to stay alive as she tried to kill himself and stuff so I mean,
2: he also kept information from her and she was like why didn't you trust me
1: right like why mm-hmm. didn't
2: you tell me about like your closeted life like, right i would have supported you i was here for you you are here for me aren't you and it's like It's interesting because like it's that like not to use need so liberally, but it's like she needs to feel necessary and like needs to feel that kind of mutual thing with people. And that's probably why she fails time and time and again to form important relationships because she can never reach that place with people.
7: Yeah, I think she is. And it's and it's a feat they pull off to make her relatable despite being so rich. But it's still kind of a little hard for me to be like oh she's not popular even though you know what i mean like she's, right yeah
0: and she's kind of an asshole about it because that one girl gets thrown out of, or she has doesn't have enough money to keep going to school and then she emma's like serves you right bully <laughs> <laughs> <Polar>. <laughs> yeah.
1: i kind of like that though
0: i love it too because she's like peasant and i'm like okay emma
6: you calm down. <laughs> uh, Josh, i was just gonna yeah. say like it didn't really invoke so much as sympathy but like the origin story did expose like some of the reasons why she became who she was. Like, when she was in the Hellfire Club, even despite being a villain, she wasn't just a full-time villain. She was a headmistress of a school. Frost Industries was doing very well, thanks to her. Like, you know, she's always striving to do uh, better and to do all the stuff for herself. And it shows, like, that need of success just from when she was younger and stuff. So I don't know if I felt so much sympathy, but it's kind of like respect
1: that she's always kept that in her mind. Right, yeah. I mean, for me personally, I uh, respect... Sort of journey she goes on after leaving her parents' house and, and striking out on her own and becoming so successful, and the headmistress of her own school, and then Xavier. Uh, you know, I just think she is a great character arc, and we're definitely gonna uh, talk about all of that.
0: Okay, it's my turn to ask the questions. <laughs> I know, everybody get ready, like pull it together. This is Brace the yourselves. Oh, shit. Ever asked it But Emma's discovery of her mutant powers is pretty much the typical thing that happens to the mutants and to the X Men mm-hmm. characters. But comparing Emma to some of the other X-Men, what sort of perspective does that put her origin story in? God, Kay, what, the, what is that construction of a question? <laughs> Dude,
5: I
2: literally just transcribed what he said. I think I get. Wait, are you like even to... when I tried to edit it, he was like, "That's not what I said," and I was like, okay, no, because
1: I... it wasn't." Because you so were like it's filtering it's shit it's that I was saying break with break your, break your break K break filter.
2: Break. So, are you trying to ask? So, yeah, so if it's a run on, it's, break it's not video, my
5: fault.
2: That's <laughs> so is... fucking damn it. <laughs>
5: when you compare Emma's
0: origin story to the other X Men, like, how do you? How are they related? How do they seem the same? How are they different? What is the connection there?
1: That's a great. That was. A great question coming from the most awkward sentence I've ever seen written <laughs> in the history of the English language.
2: I love how it's my fault, but it's, like, literally not my fault. Okay, I watched you add
1: words that I didn't say.
2: I put, I took them out!
1: No, you were t- there were even the ones you took out, like you, would still, you, would, you would add six and take out like four. No, that is, like so oh my god, left. that
2: is so not true. Yeah. I was literally there typing. I'm getting pissed
1: off. No, now. and the one I'm way not. where we're different, no, we're like in so many ways, but I use commas too much, and you just, you just like commas.
2: I felt like I was using too many commas. Okay, not that it fucking matters. <laughs> let's fucking move on.
1: Let's move on. <laughs> so when you think about let's well, these- answer <laughs> this question.
0: <laughs> so when you're thinking about the origin story of the other X-Men, how does Emma Frost's story compare? Can I answer? Answer, Justin.
1: Oh, oh, sorry. I sh- that was really micromanaging of me. I really like her origin story, and um, you know, I, I think uh, it's interesting, and I think we're going to talk about this later, How the, the, or what the connection to Firestar is. And it's interesting to see other characters' origin stories like Angel Salvador. We see Cyclopses later. We see Jean Grey's. And I, I think Emma's fits right in perfectly with all of those and, and, and holds strong with all those other origin stories.
0: Nolan, do you have a thought? Uh yeah I think she
7: what I would group her in with Xavier and Warren Worthington for being the like high status mutants you know not with Scott who was an orphan except again like all of them like almost every single character you know, he first uses his powers in a moment. Well, his, his origins like over the top, you know, it's like, never, it's not like school bullying when he uses his powers. It's like, his parents are going to are, are like <laughs> dropped out of a plane. Isn't that what's going yeah, on? Yeah. yeah. It's yep. he's
0: falling out of a plane and then he's in a parachute and his, he's, well, he's holding his younger brother, I think. Yep. And he jumps out of the plane and then his eye blast manifests and he makes a hole through his, um, so kills them. Kills and then, then he man.
4: hits his head and can't control his powers, but it yep. may be like a mental block. It's, are
1: we talking it's about uh, Cyclops? Cyclops? Oh, I yeah. wish Alex was here to send you a text that I can see about how much I talk about Cyclops. But anyway, Josh is gonna kick out of that. But Josh, you're not laughing into the microphone, so no one knows that it's fucking <laughs> funny. Yeah. It's
7: like very I guess her origin story is very very like new mutants one, you know, but there are other eras. I don't know about the original X-Men origins, but all the ones from when the team went international and they introduced Wolverine and Nightcrawler and all them, they all don't have that typical Origin where they're like school kids and someone finds them and tells them they're mute and they don't need to feel embarrassed. Blah blah blah. You know it's not like that.
0: Okay, Josh, opinions.
6: Uh, well, I was gonna say like yeah, her origin story is one of my favorites. Probably like X twenty three. english is she's not really an X man, like in certain. Well, she is gonna be now, but like her story was just it, it fits so well. Just the character development, how her upbringing was, the stuff she went through uh, in school and college, like, it it all fit her character. And even though it's written retroactively, like, it, it matched so well to who she became later on and her need for, like, love and stuff. It's it, so good. I actually, hey. um, oh, go oh, ahead.
4: I'm sorry. No, go ahead, sorry, Jamie. I actually it's interesting Nolan brought up Warren Worthington because he was one that I thought of and just th- there's kind of some similar elements because I think that um, like Warren's original or kind of original origin was that his powers manifested while he was away at like a boarding school type of thing oh, yeah, and he tried to hide them and also just from and this holds true for a lot of X powers origins. Especially, like you said, like, especially during the New Mutants era and kind of especially like, especially the Claremontian mutants where he really played with the psychology of everyone, where you have these powers manifest that their powers almost pull a representation of of issues that they're having in their own lives. Mm -hmm. like i know that like even the original x-men like angel the whole thing with the wings was he had this yearning to fly away from this to metaphorically fly away from this life that his father wants for him or like emma emma came from this tumultuous home where she had no control and there were so many secrets that she didn't know so her powers met you know she has these powers of control and and reading minds and kind of like ultimate control over people and situations so i thought that was interesting metaphorically Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, totally. Kay, do you have something to add, our Emma Frost expert?
2: I think that I don't know enough about the other X Men's origins to say, but from what I can understand, I think I the reason why I related to Emma Frost's origin story so much was because it showed her in school and you know seeking independence and then going to college versus I guess since we're we were using Cyclops as a comparison, like who the fuck knows what it feels like to like fall out of fucking plane with your brother and try to deal with that. And then like having your mutant powers come, like, you know, it's like all in one go. So in that way, like, I like that Emma's upbringing was so a part of like her mutant powers because of course she would have diamond skin. Of course she would be able to read people's minds or be a telepath. Like it just makes sense. And you also feel related to her a lot more, I think.
0: Yeah, and I think just related to her, Her upbringing, what role do you guys think her brother and her sisters played in Emma's development? Maybe Justin, because he's lounging.
1: I am lounging. I've actually never lounged in a podcast before, and I always need to be like in a hunter position. So this is the first time I'm, I'm kind of chilling out. I've never been on this couch alone before. And case sitting on the floor like it's eighteen hundred, and like I just got a shipment from Ghana. But at any rate, I, I I think it's hard for me to say because of my relationships with my siblings. I kept like seeing so much in my relationships with my siblings and Emma's relationship with hers, down to both of us having an evil older sister named. To adrian um but I, you know i really did love the fact that uh her brother is the one person in her life that she can go to and the one person in her life that she has like a really close relationship and the one person in her life who is there for her and i i think it's a really really beautiful relationship and we don't quite see relationships like that in x-men comics and i i think it's really important that that we see it in this so the other siblings to me kind of I mean, they were so, un they really represented the unknown to me. I mean, we saw Adrian, I, I, that panel sticks out in my head where she's just kind of smiling, sitting on in a chair when Emma has these, you know, voiceovers or whatever you call it, without voice. And, you know, I, I think that those were, were, were pretty telling, but it, it's... I don't know. I, I wish I had more information to about about the sisters to say something intelligent. So, um yeah, <laughs> well, I can't. It's much harder being i this is the first time I've been ever called on to answer a question, so uh <laughs> it was a lot harder than I thought.
5: Well, okay. Uh, so it was what uh what do what does her siblings what do her siblings mean to her? Like what's
1: the role they play in her lives?
5: Um I feel like well what Christian, he was just kind of like that one really good person she had in her life that could share a loving and healthy relationship out of everybody in that crazy fucked up family.
1: And That's such a good point. And so like, Hold the mic like this though, darling. Okay. There you
5: go. That's how I stabbed my teeth, my tooth last time. So, I'm okay, yeah. Scared. Yeah, um, no, I don't mind. <laughs> but uh, her, her sisters are kind of really chaotic, and I didn't really see her having a really good relationship with um, what was the name for the one that was just very alternative? I keep. Cordelia? Getting, Cordelia. Yeah, Cordelia. Mm-hmm. I keep getting their names mixed up. Cordelia, like, she. I don't really feel like um, her role was that strong or she really needed to be there. I mean, obviously, that's her sister, but she just kind of like ran around through the house as like this very uh, stereotypical rebellious teenager. And then meanwhile, her brother is like sitting there having all these like, I did this identity crisis. And, you know, they're trying to build this relationship together um where they're both struggling with the same thing. And they seem to be the only two sane people in that family. And uh, even Emma doesn't really show any sort of break until something bad happens to him. So I just think that's like, at least for me, that's what it feels like Christian's whole point is there. I don't really think her sisters are that important.
2: I mean, I think they're important in the context of the family just because Adrian is this like golden god that she can't ever live up to. Because Adrian just, even when she fucks up, she's still like running shit. Like she's an older sibling. She, you know, she's running shit. And then like Cordelia rebels and gets no real punishment or anything about it she she gets no you know like she doesn't get a smack down at all and she rebels and like willfully does whatever the fuck she wants and it kind of just puts emma in a position i don't know if she, she's technically the middle child but like the if, youngest the youngest okay but then that's interesting because then if she's the youngest then she's put in a position where she sees uh her two older sisters one who rebels and gets no response doing that and then also sees the other trying really hard and being ruthless and you know like the predecessor for her father but and yet she still gets all this pressure so it's like it's weird because like it's just seeing those siblings and how they're received by her father puts her in this position of like well what am I what am i supposed to do now
1: it somehow seems uh, as well that the siblings have easier lives than emma and uh, they sort of frame her in the beginning the sisters frame her as someone who's having a harder time in adolescence than they seem to be so than they seem to be so i I think that's kind of interesting so a few people read firestar i know josh you read firestar right yep uh jamie nolan right firestar can i thought one of my favorite books uh not ever but one of my favorite marvel superhero books what did you guys think of it just really quick
6: it was fantastic uh to her origin story—that's what we're talking about, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. Like you know, the, the relationship she had with her grandmother—that was like it was, it was much better than just using an example. Like even Spider-Man and Uncle Ben and Aunt May, in my opinion, it was so, it was such a close relationship. And um, and then just the way that when you know since we're talking about Emma Frost, the way that Emma and the X-Men were trying to rush to get to her to you know try to recruit her and. It was a brilliant story. I'm a big fan of Firestar.
1: A lot of people don't realize that it's an X-Men-centric story. And, you know, what I should have done was I didn't send you guys this comic. In between issues three and four, she appears in Uncanny X-Men 193 and uh, fights the X-Men with the Hellions. And it's James Proudstar, John Proudstar's younger brother, who eventually becomes Warpath. It's sort of when he realizes that he can't kill Xavier and and starts to redeem himself so it's it's a really interesting arc I I really love it I think it's a great book I related to it so much what about you Jamie and Nolan Jamie first
0: yeah I really liked it because I think that Firestar I think that at least I think Emma really related to Firestar and I think that there's a lot of subtlety involved in that story that I really appreciate, especially with Emma's relationship, even later on in the comic when she's talking to Mastermind and she's like, oh, it's a pity we have to like lose her. And he's like, oh, why? And she's like, oh, because she's useful. But like, obviously it's because- Oh, a Shaw,
1: you mean, Shaw. Yes. Oh, talking-
0: yeah. yeah. And it's like, obviously she's like finding this connection. And I kind of think it leads to the strong connection we see with Emma, with her students for the rest of her life. So I think it's really great. And I think that even though it, I think it would have been really easy for Firestar to be a really annoying character, but I just feel really bad for her. And I forgot yeah. what it's the name? Butter rum. Yeah. Little... Butter rum. <laughs> yeah. That was so, that was so sad. I was like, really the horse.
1: <laughs> oh, she was such a see you next Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. And the jurors one, uh, Nolan. What did you think? <laughs>
7: I thought it was great. I love the idea of like two competing, two institutions like competing to find and corner the newest uh, emerging mutants. I like how she's a sort of evil Xavier in that in that mode during a time when Magneto wasn't really around to be the evil Xavier. Right. And her father and his like and their like complex relationship. I love the bodyguard. The bodyguard who yeah of her uh really that's humanizing of villains and then it's also probably the beginning of the humanization of this stereotype Emma Frost who was just such a like one sided femme fatale in Dark Phoenix saga.
1: So uh, was I the only one else who saw the irony and the connection between Firestar and Emma Frost?
7: Yeah, how she oh. treats her the way she herself was treated. Yes. Yeah, how she, she manipulates the girl by just like constructing false situations and false reality all around her, which also was done to Emma, as is later established by both her father and Astrid.
1: All right. How about you, Jamie? What did you think?
0: I mean, I think, it, I think in a sense it was great just because it is kind of what Josh was saying about how it, everything about Emma's origin all comes together and makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Like the fact that that happened to her and then that's the only way she really knows to control another person is to manipulate and like reconstruct their entire reality and break them down. And I think it's something that Emma comes back to again and again. And I think it's something that she also learned in the Emma Ultimate collection we watched where she's being kidnapped and she has to figure out how to get out of there. And so she like creates dissension in the group and creates paranoia amongst them i think she really understands like it's really sad but because of that she really understands how to break down people's human nature and like really make them afraid and her pawns
6: exactly it's like you know most bullies they are bullies because they learn from other bullies who bullied them Mm -hmm. how to bully other people and it's the same way for Emma in a way
2: also she grew up in a in an environment where everyone turned on each other so willingly so of course she's like an expert on that, and that's how she survived her kidnapping. Mm-hmm.
1: So I also want to say to everyone, please, please check out the Firestar limited series. I wish I could remember the writer and artist off the top of my head. I I think the writer might even be female, which I think is I think really the great. Is Claremont a Firestar? Yeah. No way. Are you sure? I still
7: have it. Let me see. Okay. Cool. It is by. Who's, who's it by? Oh no, Tom DeFalco. Mary Wilshire pencils, Steve Lealona inks. Cool. Tom DeFalco is the, uh, the writer.
1: All right, cool. So it was a female artist, which I really enjoyed because yeah. I thought the art was really great too. So yeah, b- but please check out that book. I think it was printed in 1984,
7: 1986, one of those mid 80s for sure. Yeah. And it's just, sorry,
1: I thought no one was looking. That's why I, I, you looked I like am, as if oh, you were appearing.
7: Yeah, but I don't see dates on it. But definitely like after Dark Phoenix Saga, and but not. Not, you know, it was before Storm got a mohawk, so it can't be late 80s, I don't
1: think. No, it was definitely 84 or 86, one of those. But yeah, but please check this out because not a lot of people know about this comic. And isn't it wonderful if all those back issues that were printed could get bought? And I'm sure it's online somewhere. And it's just a really, really good origin story. And, you know, Firestar isn't the most popular character, but she's a really, really great character. And so. you can check out our podcast on Firestar also. Oh, yeah. We, we did an origin story, believe it or not, of uh, Apocalypse Magneto, Emma Frost, and Firestar. The only thing is, it was 37 minutes. A podcast and we did four characters so so yeah do check it out but it, it was definitely like a brief overview
0: okay now it is time to talk about emma's independence during her kidnapping and the university years which emma's independence is probably one of my favorite parts about emma frost oh my too. so we're gonna start by talking about what do we think were the reasons emma felt the need to strike out and make her own way apart from her family at the end of the first story arc in the emma frost ultimate collection
7: uh, well, the last straw was when she, like, took a gamble on seeing if her father could do, like, one thing right, you know, and that was to put her brother in a, a drug recovery institution. And and indeed, he did, her father did not, you know, and so that's when she's just like, there's not, this is totally irrecoverable, this whole situation.
2: Well, because, oh, oh sorry. No, go on. Well, it's kind of because her father took the took away the last thing that made her family even remotely like livable or like tolerable and it's just like she so wanted to believe like as a father that he would do the yeah like exactly what you said to do the right thing and like take care of his son and be there and he just totally manipulates it in like of course like of course he does but like he manipulates it in a way that's like he just sends him away to a an asylum yeah to an asylum yeah and then it's so sad because when he's sent away to the asylum like i think christian's like closing line is just like emma did you do this like why would you do this to me or like Mm -hmm. it's because like it made it her fault somehow and like Mm -hmm. that's that was so not her intent and it's just like not only did her father take away that relationship but like kind of just cut that line of trust too so of course like if if that relationship is cut from her it's just like okay well i'm just i don't even need to be a part of this anymore so i agree with you it was her final straw and that was just the end And it was a good move yeah of course
1: this was actually one of my favorite probably definitely my favorite moment of the first arc. And the other time this moment is referenced is in Grant Morrison's run of New X-Men, spoiler alert, when Jean Grey discovers Cyclops is cheating on her uh, wait, when Jean Grey discovers Cyclops is cheating on her with Emma Frost. Oh, bless you, Jamie. Are you okay? Yes, I'm fine. And a uh that's the kind of shit that happens when you're live, people. People sneeze. <laughs> people love. But anyway, so uh, we get a peek of that in I forget what issue that is, but in uh, Grant Morrison's new X-Men, and it's Carl Bowler's definitely expands on the moment so well. So, you know, it, 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 I'm not really answering the question, which are some of the reasons, but I guess I just want to highlight the significance of that moment.
0: Yeah, and I think kind of what you were talking about with the how awful it is because her father kind of makes it her fault. Kay, I think that that kind of comes from the fact that whenever he's like, I'm sending away your brother. He's like, Emma, you win. Like, you've won the competition, like, to be the best child and she's like no i don't want to win your stupid competition Mm -hmm. like you're ruining my life like for her winning the competition would have been i get to stay with my brother and he was like no 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 that's not what the competition is like it's the same turnaround that her father pulls on her all the time like Mm -hmm. no you thought this was the goal the real goal was for me to make you the worst person ever and make everything that's awful in the
2: name of being a frost basically right and it's interesting because i think that develops One of the character traits that I so much respect about her, which is what's so strange, like I kind of like that ruthless aspect of her too, because I think that in a way, being in the family environment like that did make her ruthless and did make her kind of, you know, just in the most obvious sense, rebel and like leave the house. But it's so funny that that, or like not funny, haha, like funny, strange, that something that I so much enjoy about her character in later comics is the thing that like, is so damaging from her childhood.
1: Uh, let's sk- skip ahead a little bit to after her immediate future and-, and leaving home, the significance of her relationship with Troy. A question I stole from Jamie, but I'm skipping ahead a little bit. Um, so Jamie and Lou, the fact that I stole the question, do you want to answer first about her relationship with Troy?
5: I would
0: love to, because I actually really like Troy as far as romantic interest. Kate okay, does yeah, too, well, actually. Yeah, but I think that Troy is very significant because... Troy's kind of the first person that she tells about her power. And he kind of responds like, oh, that's like sick. Like we should use that to like, like use as a quick fix to get out of stuff. Yeah. And I think that, and he's like, he's really one of the first people that, and one of the only people actually that she meets and he's genuinely nice to her and genuinely helpful to her. And she kind of like tries to save him. Like she is a hero in that moment, as opposed to being the villain that we know she becomes. And I think that Troy's acceptance of her power, like to the degree that he's even like telling like random cabbies about it, which was the most ridiculous scene in the entirety <laughs> of that thing. He's, he's like, My mom. girlfriend's telepathic. I'm like, You do not. She's like, What are you doing? Like, she's like, You are literally an idiot. But I think that's kind of what's cute about him. Even though he does that thing with the kidnapping where he's like, We should pretend to kidnap you. I'm like, I don't know how I feel about that, Troy. But I do think that that, and that could also kind of lead to like her problem with trust. But I think Troy's significant because he gives her a glint and a glimmer of that. Like, independence. Like, he teaches her how to make money, mm-hmm. kind of, and how to live on the streets, and helps her kind of cheat her way in. Yeah. And, she, I mean, she doesn't even know how to do dishes. Like, she really helps her kind of have a grasp on reality, which mm. is ironic, because I feel like she's one of the most real and cynical characters of the X-Men ever.
1: Mm. Uh, Nolan, what about you?
7: Uh, it's a good part. I I like the betrayal at the end better it's more like dramatic to me, you know, but of course it has, it does have to be explained how she goes from sheltered child to like competent street waif, you know, before she starts cap- being able, capable of infiltrating the Hellfire Club. So makes sense.
2: Well, I mean, I think that the one thing about Troy, I do like his, I do like Emma's relationship with him very much but less because of whether I personally like him or not it's more that I enjoy the fact that she had found someone that could like you know make her laugh and like have fun with her like her brother did and it's just kind of like she needed someone like that I think and I think Jamie pointed out something really important is that he also kind of showed her how to be independent and like how to you know not just be a prissy, rich white person like a white girl, you know, and like she is actually taught how to like, you know, be I guess street smarts as well. And that's kind of why at the end it's so important because it becomes so necessary for her to survive at that point because, you know, I guess spoiler, but Troy, you know, gets caught in the crossfire more or less and dies. So I think that uh he's so important because again, it's just yet again another person she needed And wanted and can't have and somehow loses.
0: So we're going to go into the college years now, now that we have dealt with her street urchin days. So when Emma attends college, in what ways has she changed? In obvious ways and then, of course, not so
2: obvious ways. Well, she's blonde.
0: (laughs) Or wait, who's talking? Who wants to go? Kay should take it. I think Kay knows. I mean, I was just
2: saying that she's blonde. Like that's the, she's got like big the, yeah she's blonde and big boobs yeah she does ready to go to college and be a hot nerd basically and i don't know like it's it's in, like she's a lot more confident probably necessarily because this is in light of just duping someone out of a lot of money and also surviving a kidnapping so it's, and like she wants to fall off the grid and not only that but she also has like you know like she has to like come to terms with like I mean I don't like she doesn't it doesn't seem like she has to come to terms with any of it like when we read the college storyline but you know from like the moment she gets on the bus to when she arrives at the school that like there's like a transformation there and like not just like the blonde uh die or anything it's kind of just she like you can see that there was like a turning point there like Troy like losing Troy was like just another turning point of like okay I can't. Like, she's very much like, okay, I have to do every like, do this on my own now. Like, I'm, there's nobody else. Like, I have to do this. But it's not as overtly lonely as it used to be. Or she's not as, like, not to say that she was ever useless, but that naivete is not there anymore, I don't think.
6: Yeah, she's coming into, like, adulthood and she's realizing that, you know, there's so many things she can do with her powers. And it's just, um it's like a maturing process, really, you know?
0: Yeah, Nolan, do you have another thing to add? Uh, the one thing that is, that is continuous,
7: that is still similar to her old self is that she tries to rekindle this relationship that that she wanted when she was a high schooler, you know, that Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people, when they are a few years after high school, they would automatically say like, well, whatever I wanted back then was immature, Mm -hmm. you know, especially since it was her teacher. Uh, and, but, and, but now she kind of like, instead of like dating a guy her own age, a guy who like doesn't have that much shit together like Troy you know mm-hmm. she goes like straight for this older guy who was uh, who was her heartthrob you know that's really that's really interesting it's like a good like wish fulfillment kind of fantasy to read that it starts to work mm-hmm. out
2: yeah and like she obviously she would because she she feels like he understood her when she was like this that's other true. person like this flat-chested brown-haired nobody girl who just happened to Maybe like come who just yeah who just come he came from like a family with money and so like she i think that's totally accurate it is a wish fulfillment thing because it's just kind of like oh like let me just relive this whole thing (laughs) with you and like this person knows me and like i'm a woman now so it's cool and i deserve this and that kind of starts this like adversarial uh relationship with her roommate.
0: Right. Which is a perfect transition into our next question, um, which is, of course, she we begin like with she bumps back into Ian, her former teacher. And then, of course, while she's doing that, she's also introduced to who will become her new roommate and friend, Astrid Bloom. Um, and soon after we meet Astrid, we realize she's also a telepath like Emma. And not long after that, Astrid becomes the main villain of the final arc. So do you guys think Astrid is a worthy opponent of Emma Frost? And how do you think Astrid's existence in the story helps contrast Emma's character? Which okay. is a lot of questions. Okay. Yeah.
2: Well, I think I think that with Astrid, not only is it so necessary for Emma to meet her, not only because it she that it then Emma comes to terms with the fact that there is a mutant community. There's a community of people that are, you know, quote unquote just like her. And after like having decided to be an individual and run shit alone, it's kind of interesting that she meets this Astrid Bloom who like I don't want to say invades her mind, but like just kind of greets her in her like greets her psychically and she's just like what's happening like I don't understand any of this and I guess in comparison especially since she becomes a villain again like it's funny because I'm noticing this now again going back to Emma's later characterization as like a ruthless person she learns all this from her early relationships where her like adversarial relationship with her father and also her relationship with Astrid and It's a different kind of ruthlessness in the sense that Astrid teaches her not, I don't want to say that she just straight out teaches her to hate humans. But she, like, teaches her or, like, plants that seed of, like, you know that they're all beneath us, right? Like, you know that you can manipulate anything that they do and we're better in all these ways. You know that, right? And then, like, even though Emma has the wherewithal to know that that's not necessarily true, you can see that 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 seed is planted and it grows within her and that leads her to the Hellfire Club at one point. And she's just like... So in terms of, like, Astrid Bloom being a good villain or a good other to Emma... I think it, it's interesting because it's almost like she passes this villainy on to her and without meaning to, Emma just kind of ingests it into her, into herself and then becomes the White Queen that we all know.
6: Mm-hmm. And, you know, Anastrid and is relatable though, as a villain. Like, she's like the earlier, I guess you can say she's almost like a version of Magneto, right? Like she, she sees that. With the being mutants it's it's a special thing but that it's not you know people would judge them differently and she passes on to Emma and um, it's significant I think in how Emma approaches stuff later on in her life and how she looks at uh,
3: mutants just in general you know
2: yeah also it's so important to mention that Astrid's home life was not great either yeah mm-hmm. and like Astrid was a lot more not cool about it I would yeah. say in the sense that she She not only killed her parents, but had her younger sister kill her parents because she was bitter.
7: Yeah, that's some serious villain stuff for her there. Another way in which she's relatable is like she knows she can't be too close to that many different people. She can't let them know about her abilities. But when she does find someone who she can be close to, like Emma she like panics at the idea that Emma is going to drift away from her towards yeah. this man, yeah. Ian, mm-hmm. you know? And so she like takes steps to prevent that because she's like desperate to have, you know, she has this like shell that she won't, that she won't let down. So she says it's about like defending against hatred of mutants, but yeah. it's also yeah. about being able to be intimate and having a close friend like that.
2: Yeah. Cause she needs the companionship just as much as Emma does. And that's probably why Emma's so weirdly bittersweet watching her get carted away by the ambulance because she's just kind of like you know I, I guess like we're gonna talk about it a little bit more in depth later but like just her closing line about how she's like she can read the thoughts of like every human in the crowd and you can just see her walking away like towards where the ambulance left and she's just like I'm starting to think Astrid was right like you're all just the fucking same like and that's it's really interesting because you're right like Astrid is relatable in that need to have a companion. But then she's like, she's a hardcore villain. Like the only one that I could maybe at the time, at least could rival Emma because, you know, this is in the context of Emma not being a villain yet. Really. She's just kind of coming into her own and, even when you see her become a villain later, like I don't think you can compare it to like being a young mutant making your younger sister kill your parents because you're bitter, you mm. know? Like I don't think she does anything the same level as that. She does she is ruthless for sure, but I don't think she ever reaches that point. So it's interesting that Astrid was like the first mutant she met.
1: What was the question? Um well we were
0: just ending on we were talking about Astrid. How Astrid's is she a good opponent for Emma? Yeah. And how is she?
1: important to Emma's life. Astrid is awesome. She is the faith to Emma's Buffy. Did you say that, Jamie?
0: I didn't say that, but she totally is.
1: She totally is. Did did someone else, did I hear someone say something? No, No, but I don't get that reference. You don't get, okay, well, no, I'm just kidding. It's a Buffy reference, and Jamie and I get it. Um, totally do. Yeah, so that's like... I get it as well. See, and, yeah. Um, No, I'm just (laughs) kidding. (laughs) Thank you, Brian. (laughs) Alright, but yeah, no, I think Astrid is a really awesome uh, villain. I love the part where you know, because Astrid's, you know, teaching her all this stuff. And then they get into that that final confrontation and Astrid's like, what are you doing? She's like, oh, no, you're too powerful. And then that was awesome. I loved it. So, yeah, I thought that was just like a really, a really cool moment.
0: Um, so kind of moving on from Astrid to another sad and heartbreaking story. I was personally extremely sad in the final scene where Ian was a total dick. Fuck to Ian.
1: Yeah, Ian, what was up um, so- with that?
0: Please, Kate, tell me how start. did you react to Ian's reaction? To
2: From Emma. the fucking start, this motherfucker, like, is just such a stupid, useless element of Emma's fucking life. It makes me so angry that she gave a shit about him at all. Despite, like, I only sympathize because she was so lonely and was young and vulnerable and had nobody care about her that was, like, you know, just a strong adult role model and that's just so fucking ridiculous because of course he comes fucking back in the, in college and it's just like continues to be like the most useless person. And the way I reacted to Ian Ian's reaction to her mutant identity <laughs> <laughs> is fucking That's awesome. Not is I was not surprised at all. It just fueled the anger that I already felt about him anyway. I was like, of course you fucking wouldn't understand or care. Like you're so useless. You're nothing. Like uh, okay i'm done
1: yeah finding out ian is a piece of shit is definitely difficult at the end i think because you know you just want something to work out for her and i think you know she has ian in her life for a great deal of her life by that point and uh through high school and into college and in some ways ian's rejection of her is what sets her on her path to becoming a villain later, in addition to what happens with Astrid. So, um, you know, he serves a really a big uh, a point for that. But, you know, it's just, it's such a heartbreaking scene, you know, and then she walks away and she's like, but but I love you. And, you know, you know she does, you know she means it, but you also know that Ian is a, I, I you know, he reveals himself to not be a very kind person.
2: But that's the thing. I don't think he was ever a kind person.
0: No, I no. think you're right, because he reveals himself to be like, you think that like he's helping her like you're like oh like he's going against norm like he's helping the like not popular girl in school but like clearly at the end of the day he's not very progressive like he was just kind of a dick who was like di- like attracted to all of these like students like every student that like we have the relationship with he's like oh yeah like i was attracted to her and like i was like fucking her like that's him with like most of his students and his advisees like he was not a good guy it would make no sense actually for him to have been Accepting of her, because like clearly,
2: because he's a piece of shit. He's a
0: piece of shit. Like no,
1: is okay. shit. No, yeah, he's you know he seems like a Bernie Sanders voter, but in the end he goes for Marco Rubio, and I think that that's so depressing to discover to discover that. <laughs>
2: yeah, I mean, what's frustrating Our about it is, for me, I think that he makes himself out to be a nice dude when he really isn't. That's right. what he's I hate nice about guy. him. Like nice he guy. he like identifies himself as like this support or this nice person. And he's just a fucking asshole. And again, like going back to my frustration about it, it is very heartbreaking. It's totally sad because you want something to work for Emma, but I'm almost frustrated Because it's just, like, I guess it's a weird, like, friendship or maternal instinct of just, like, like, Emma, you're so much cooler and better than this. Like, stop liking him. He's awful. Mm -hmm. Just move the fuck on. Like, there's so many better things to be doing right now.
6: Well, I mean, Ian was a piece of shit, obviously, right? Like, but I felt like he was necessary to her character development. Oh, no, totally. Yeah. Like, she he totally reaffirms everything that Astrid told her, you know? And so Mm -hmm. if it, it, it just adds more fuel to her fire, so...
1: Yeah, he wasn't necessary.
2: Her hellfire. Oh Oh
1: oh, oh, oh wow. Zinger. Okay. Oh that just filled me with wonder. Um Nolan, what did you think?
7: Uh of Ian? Yes. Oh uh, yeah, he's a fucking he's a fucking he flirts with his students and seduces them and also he's racist. I don't know if that's the term to use when one hates mutants, but right. racist, racist, yes. mutant phobic. But- Mutobic, um, yeah, sure, yeah. Can we take this into the question of who her best boyfriend is? Oh, because, the love of her life? Because obviously it's not Ian, though the comic book kind of tricks you into thinking that Ian will turn out to be this, like, great... Right.
1: Like,
2: no, so it's a, a fucking great, fantasy, like, it's awful.
7: ...reward for her, kind of. Or is it the, maybe more of a real nice guy, Cyclops, as much as the comic has been making him out to be dark of late, right? Right. Or, my uh, personal pick Namor.
1: Me too. No. Me what? too. No, he, oh is, a he is, is a fish. He is a fish. So let's not get back legit. in these kinds of conversations. Yeah. He is a fish. Name motherfucker. I, I actually
4: I like the name more. They
2: have the most chemistry creatively. You know what? There's like a really cool like
7: like games. You know. Namor's just like,
2: this is... Imperious Rex, motherfucker.
0: But I kind of like Scott.
2: I like Scott, too. Yeah, whatever. I, that's a, no, I mean,
1: look. if Namor, you can tell, does not have a large penis. Cyclops, you can tell, has a larger penis. And I think that that's really important <laughs> for Emma. And know,
4: those, those X uniforms are pretty tight, too.
1: I will say, yeah. though, he's like 5'9", though, and Cyclops is like 6'2".
0: If I had to put it in Buffy terms, I would say that I think that Scott is the angel and Namor is like the spike, but like his character development.
1: Scott is so not Riley. Um Oh no,
0: Scott is not Riley. Get out of here. You've insulted me.
1: Leave. Uh, uh, wait, what did you say, Ian? I mean not Ian. What did wow. You say? Who's, who's Sorry.
2: Ian? Where's God. Ian? Sorry. <laughs>
0: I said
7: Namor has like 60 years of character development you know he's like he's been he's one of the oldest Marvel comics characters of them all Okay
2: also so he's true. a swimmer once okay just one word. He's a stamina. Fish. Stamina. Yeah, stamina okay
1: and he's like a mutant fish. It's like, dude, like you're yeah. already a fish, and you tried to be. He's not a fish. He's like smells like clam. More, yeah. He's not yeah. a I mean,
2: merman. He's like, he's care. a man that swims well. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. No, right? he, he's a fishman. That he's like a he's little a Atlantean. Fish. Like you know, I, I, all the Namor fans were like, "What the fuck was these people talking about right now?" <laughs> um, so yeah, don't send me another death threat, please. So <laughs> yeah, I can't I can't handle that.
4: It is funny that you brought up Joss Whedon though, just because. He's the only writer who made me enjoy, really enjoy
6: Scott and Emma as he a parent. He made pairing. Scott awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really? In,
0: no. In I, astonishing. Wait, right, and Fraction did, yeah. I,
1: no, like, Fraction did a good
6: job
0: with
1: them too.
6: That was like Fraction did a good job. Yeah. I mean, I like Scott, but I thought like he was really messed up in Astonishing, and especially when him and um, Wolverine are fighting over Jean Grey, and and you know Emma throws out that line where he's like, "I still rate below a corpse." Like. That was really messed up because... You know, Everyone remembers that line. It's such a great line. Because it's such a yeah. great line. And it's so true. And it's so true to Emma because she just wants that love. And she she finally gets it and he, damn, they're still fighting over fucking Jean Oh, Grey, I'm not necessarily
4: know? saying that they were like a happy, well-adjusted couple. I just like the way Whedon wrote them. So from a standpoint of reading it, that's when I like that coupling. And I also think he wrote them as... I like the way he wrote them as kind of sort of being equals. Like they banter back and forth. Like there's that that great line where um he said uh she tells him that kitty thinks that she's controlling everything he does and scott kind of takes a beat and goes you aren't right and she goes i'm never letting you see me naked again or whatever yeah like, i thought i think that's great
1: i actually kind of have a cute emma frost story about astonishing x-men good tell it. it's actually personal i don't know if i should tell it no okay so i was dating someone and we were reading uh astonishing x-men giant size astonishing x-men 1 and we like we're reading aloud which i make everyone do here all the time and josh and i have read many comics aloud and it was always awkward when we got to the emma and uh, cyclops scenes especially when i was emma it just felt like inappropriate and strange But anyway i was with this girl we were reading and i was reading uh cyclops and she was reading emma frost and we and then you get to that scene at the end after kitty pride goes away and after you know got me to take you out and she's like how do you feel or something and she's like oh astonished Miss Pride and then later Cyclops just tells Emma Frost like how much he loves her and stuff and so we were reading aloud, and that like they're like I love you I love you and that was the first time in our relationship we both said I'd love you to each other and oh, it was oh my yeah. god yeah, <laughs> Josh. Oh shit! <laughs> yeah, and it, it was it, it was quite. It, if I can use the word cute, it was kind of cute. That's, that's romantic that's fucking as fuck. Adorable. Yeah, and it was like, and and we only said it like one other time after that because it was a very short relationship. But um, <laughs> uh, but we but well, we understood it like at that point, you know. And it was cool because we both know, like, we both like read the non-subtext as being whatever yeah, i don't know what i'm trying to say but anyway that was like my cute astonishing x-men emma frost story and i'm sorry to veer us off um i don't even remember what question we were on jane what question are we? we were on
0: i mean the last question in this section is we were just talking about ian being an asshole but the last question in this section is about how the series was canceled at issue eight sadly and how telling 18. do we think the final scene is in the story about where emma's gonna go
1: yeah 18 oh can i answer go for it Jordan. oh so telling favorite panel from that whole thing i, I can sure. remember too. Yeah. I, I i bet you i'm i wonder if I, how much i'm paraphrasing this because i like it so much but i think she's like um maybe astrid was right about the whole lot yeah. of you the whole lot
2: yeah and i think that's pretty much
1: it. oh it was just so telling and that's all i have to say
2: yeah because you see her turn away from like like even visually she turns away from the group and is like holding her arms and is just walking away like from like that humanity basically because she's she just read all these thoughts of like people judging her and thinking that she like you know probably kills roommates or whatever and it's just kind of like dude like of course and like back to being lonely too next stop hellfire yeah for sure mm-hmm. like that's why it makes so much sense because you're just like oh this leads to all the other shit so yeah. it was a perfect ending even though it ended abruptly yeah
7: in fact, not just back to being lonely, but back to not even being as attached to someone as Astrid was to her. Yeah,
2: exactly. We didn't really go. We're gonna go
1: more into that whole uh, love of Emma's life thing later, Nolan. So I know we touched yeah, on on sure. a little. So we're gonna go.
2: Surely do that. Yeah, Ugh. I need to revisit Namor.
1: So when we pick up with Emma Frost later in life, she uses her position in the Hellfire Club to help Jason Wingard, aka Mastermind, to influence Jean Grey into becoming part of the Hellfire Club as well in the Dark Phoenix Saga. Now that Emma has completely turned her back on the human race, as we see on the last page of the Emma Frost Ultimate Collection written by Carl Bowlers. You know, what, I, I guess I want to say, what type of villain can we describe Emma as? But we got to go quick because we have a lot more stuff to talk about. So, like, how about, like, like, 10 words. No one go.
7: Uh she's in the Magneto category of villain where she feels she is defending a group. She's in there at least by the time of the annual when she gets with Namor because at the end of it when she discovers that the Hellfire Club is is simultaneously pretending to defend mutants and simultaneously funding Sentinels, you know, she no longer trusts them.
1: Jamie.
0: I think that she's ruthless and I think she has no care for human life, but that doesn't but she has care for mutant life. So I think it's kind of a homo superior is actually superior opinion.
1: K Honda.
2: I don't know if I have anything to add for this.
1: Okay. That's all right.
2: <laughs> My apologies.
1: No, that's that's totally cool. Jamie, take it home, darling.
2: Oh, yes, yes, yes.
0: Okay. I'm so happy about this question Gene um, Grey and Emma Frost begin a rivalry in Dark Phoenix Saga that lasts for decades culminating in spoiler alert Emma oh. Frost psychic affair with Scott Summer Cyclops such a great issue to learn about this definitely check out our podcast on Grant Morrison's Eisner Award nominated new X-Men run that we all were on and it was amazing oh, lots orgasmic. of awkward moments and yeah. cursing
1: as orgasmic um, as
4: a chicken and a bug
1: hey Brian you have to let it go you have to let <laughs> it go Brian it's a month later let it go so, I'm just kidding to get Hello, back on
0: Brian. topic we've taken a look at how astrid helped define emma but how does emma's relationship with gene gray define emma as a villain and later as an anti-hero
6: can i ask you something real quick jamie yep because you specifically refer to it as a telepathic affair how do you feel about like cause this was a big topic of debate when we did this a while ago and you know i always thought like it's telepathic you know like, it's not so much physical.
1: No, it's cheating, Josh. We've been over this. Yeah, honey, <laughs> it's Yeah, cheating. we've been over this. We had a whole what? podcast about six hours about this <laughs> subject. It's cheating. And then we had another podcast about it two years ago in which we came <laughs> to the same conclusion. So it's um, still cheating. I appreciate Josh. the question. I know. I don't know why you want to get away with that. Like, first of all, there's not going to happen to you. No one is going to be like, let's <laughs> psychically in my mind. So I can well, but pretend it, to but be a. Your- it's
0: relatable in the sense that, like, I was thinking about having sex with a different woman, but I didn't actually do it. It's like a common thing that men say. Or they're like, I was watching and I was like masturbating to this other woman but like I still love you honey
1: yeah but this but was I, interactive
0: Well, I think it's cheating and I was going to say yeah. the other reason why I think it's cheating is because whenever Scott's talking about it he's like we started this thing uh, I knew it was wrong like Scott's like I knew it. when Scott's saying
2: that he knows that he did it wrong right yeah it's wrong he did yeah. bad like, he's yeah. he did bad out of fair.
1: Nolan cheating or not Cheating. Totally. Okay. Cool.
2: So we're on this. We're all on the same page. Josh, get on the no, fucking. No, I.
6: Okay. Last time I even agreed. I'm like, this is cheating. But I just wanted to know like what
1: level of cheating this is. So don't. What do you don't...
2: mean? What levels right, are there? All right.
1: All right. Next question. It it's a, it's okay. Cheating. It's pretty f- bad. Sorry, I'll get to you in a second, Brian. Um, unfortunately. But no, I'm kidding. I don't know why I'm so busy because Alex isn't here. Why the f- are you f- waving your f- hand around? <laughs> Oh, you're stretching. Stop. You look like a moron over there. Fucking doing calisthenics how, in the corner.
0: How dare
2: you stretch your um, arms yeah. after sitting for hours? you confusing me. I'm trying to if stay focused. Back
0: to the real question. I was asking about how Jean Grey's relationship with Emma Frost affects Emma Frost.
2: Okay. I can actually answer that and then actually give a proper answer to the previous question about what kind of villain that makes Emma. So it's really important that Jean Grey is her other, I think, because... I think the reason why I could not think of anything to say about her being a villain at first is because within the context of her own life, for me, Emma is not a villain. Like she's just ruthless. If like if there's anything that's wrong with her, it's just that she's a go getter and she wants she wants to run shit. But you need like, to
0: do PR for Emma Frost.
2: But then, I know. Like, but then like when she's but then when she like her relationship with Jean Grey is so important because it puts her in a position of like oh well Jean Grey is like this you know this goddess who you know is like is the pure or not i don't want to say pure but like kind of like the strong represent like representative of xavier's x-men just like what you would want to be or like kind of like her and i think uh brian said this in a different podcast but they're like you know the football or like the quarterback and the homecoming queen like they're just those people and it's interesting because yeah of course then emma would be the the villain in that situation because. Not only is Emma, like, I guess, arguably just as tough and able to run shit as Jean, but it's kind of just like, I don't know, like, I think that it makes the most sense to me. I'm not really entirely sure how eloquent I can be about that, but it's like, to me, it's just like, of course, she would be the villain to Jean Grey.
1: Well, we're such a biased group because half the people here hate Jean Grey with a passion. I love Jean Grey, passion. but I,
2: I don't have any feelings about her. What'd
1: you say? No, I know, and I know you hate her. Admit it. lot of
7: passion, but yeah, th- I hate the, the homecoming king queen thing. That's oh, just fuck you, so
1: Brian, funny. for putting that in people's heads. You're making people not like Jean Grey. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. I,
7: I, I, I like, like Jean, Jean Grey. Right? and that's why Emma isn't just a Jean Grey's other. She's a vastly more interesting version of Jean Grey. Oh my oh God!
2: Shit. Oh my God! Damn. Shots fired! Yeah. Hashtag shots fired. Have one
7: psychic, and that psychic is also going to be Scott Summers' partner. And that psychic is also going to be the headmistress of the Jean Grey School for Gifted Youngsters. I would much rather it be Emma than
1: Jean. Oh, mm. um, damn. Well, yeah, but I think if they... I mean, look at Jamie. Jamie is like, oh, fuck no. Um, <laughs> I think... Oh, Nolan. My, it's as <laughs> if like my heart just ran out of my chest and jumped off the terrace. Well, in my opinion,
0: um, in order to truly love Emma Frost, you have to also truly understand... Jean Grey because yeah, I yeah. Think that they, they are yin and yang to each other and I think that
1: uh, Jamie you and I are yin and Emma yang Emma to Frost. each other and it's amazing
2: keep going
0: <laughs> well I think that Jean Grey wants what Emma Frost has and I think that Emma Frost wants what Jean Grey has mm-hmm, like, yeah they- of course like, they, like it's it's the same thing as Buffy and Faith. Like, it's, like, the great dichotomy of, like, the person that is, like, trying to be... Because, I mean, they both, like, talk about public persona. Like, Jean Grey is trying to be good and Emma Frost is trying to be evil. Like, they're very similar in kind of what they want, but they're being what people expect them to be. I don't think Emma's trying to my, be
2: evil is the but like thing. Well, like, she
0: accepts that role. Like, she accepts being the kind of like she when don't she goes give to a Scott. Fuck. She accepts being the, the hellion to... Like Jean oh gray yeah,
2: yeah 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 right. for sure this is
1: such a like a this is i think we should have like um like chicken fights in the pool like to settle this <laughs> because that's
2: so specific
1: yeah i don't know that's the only way i know i mean I, i'll beat the shit out of well, all of you f- great but if you want uh, too, I'll do <laughs> but if you want to f- get a baseball bat and just go f- nuts that and, and jamie will cool. help me jamie's the one you got to be scared Green of gray, huh
0: what Josh said he wanted to talk about him liking
1: Jean Gray and her
6: his relationship yeah, with Yeah, Josh. Emma oh, I was just gonna say, like, okay, I, I you know, I personally do like Jean Grey a lot. But I thought her reaction to the affair thing was a little bit too harsh. That's what you know, I thought
2: too, like, bitch. Yeah.
6: I mean, like, look, Emma was in the wrong, but I felt like Scott was more in the wrong. Like, even though Emma was the one that made it possible with her tele- did telepathy. Did you like
2: did you listen to the other podcast and just like transcribe <laughs> what to say from what I what? said?
6: No. This is what I said in the first time we doing Did Dark Phoenix, (laughs) so let's 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 take it back a notch, right? I said this before you even were here. Oh my god, this is so symptomatic of Japanese Chinese relations in the world. Like, first of all, I had a problem with this a long time ago, I didn't even think it was cheating to begin with, but I accept (laughs) it. It was cheating,
1: Josh. I accept
6: it. I accept it. Okay, but I'm just saying, it doesn't even though it is cheating, and yes, Emma made it possible, I just don't think that the what Gene Gray did was, was
1: like. That was not the right punishment. That was yeah, way agree. too harsh. In the real yeah. housewives Agreed, of agree. the X Men, of the new X Men, <laughs> <laughs> what Jean Gray did is totally acceptable. I mean, she, you, do, you do not f- with someone's husband. I like that, you know? But your <laughs> husband shouldn't <laughs> fuck around either. I so agree, but it's the fuck. With like, Scott. she okay. was, she took advantage of him in that moment. Shut <laughs> Brian. She took advantage of him <laughs> at that moment. You know, I was about and, to agree um, with you. I don't give a shit. I don't, do I look like I need f- help? Do I look like I need goddamn help? I'm the f- CEO making a f- point.
2: We love you, Brian. Yeah, we
1: love you. I love you. Totally in the way. I would love to find out I had herpes tomorrow. Um, what the fuck? I'm just kidding. Wait, what the You never heard that before? No, seriously, we love Brian. He's the man. When I go to sleep He's a tonight. Tumor. And he the la- grows you're the last on you. person. Yeah, you're the last person I'm going to think about before I go to sleep and the first person I'm going to think about when I wake up. And the story oh. I just told about Astonishing X Men, Giant Side Astonishing X Men 1, I wish it was about you and me. Does that make up for all that? Just kidding. Sorry, I almost threw up in my mouth because I was lying so hard. <laughs> Which um, so my body had an adverse reaction to all the exchange of images that just. Occurred. Anyway,
2: but agreed, Josh. Yeah, I feel the same way about that. Thank you. Yeah,
1: I, I, yeah, just I just can't take all this Jean Grey hate. No, I, I love Jean Grey. I just I thought know. that that was too too harsh like, I think like you, know, you
6: know, make her relive those things she was
0: supposed to becoming Dark Phoenix so she was clearly like in a different state when she was really yeah. sending Emma through her but that's backstory. what fucked
2: with me though I was like you're gonna be compared to fucking gods and goddesses and you're gonna act like a petty bitch right now like
0: it wasn't uh, petty
6: she's fucking her but, husband but why not fuck with Scott more you know she didn't even like what would it even matter because body. they See, have this relationship was, where she was, fucks was, her over they switch that's bodies that's what I'm saying
2: she was looking for a fucking fight with Emma it had like Jamie's Emma, Emma, Emma was blanket. looking for
4: a fight with her. No, yeah, but yeah. Her she could like, Emma, Emma probably could have gone in and. Emma fucked was. Scott thank you, Brian. Thank but you. Emma yes. did it psychically to twist the knife at Jean Grey and to say, "Here you go, bitch. You're the queen psychic, See, and I'm psychically I think we're not her looking her at it,
6: Brian. What Emma, took you so
1: long to get into my defense? <laughs> look,
6: I just want to say, like, I, we have to look at it from Emma's point of view. She's trying to comfort Scott in his time of pain. No, she wasn't. She and, was trying and, to
1: fuck with Jean Grey. Yes, she didn't even want him at first. When
4: that first started, she. She couldn't give two shits about Scott Summers. No. She wanted to fuck with
1: Gene. I Jean mean, Gray. she's fucking Jean Gray's husband, dressed as Gene Gray, insane. Yeah, the ultimate and fun. then as
4: soon as Gene walks in, she gets the biggest grin on her face because that's all she's been waiting for the whole fucking time. Now, did Gene go a little overboard? Maybe, but to say like, oh, Emma was helping Scott in his time of need, and mean old Gene came in. Fucking Emma w- wanted to put a billboard that said, Fuck you, Gene. Yes. I'm having psychic yes. sex with your husband. Yes. And I
1: couldn't agree more. Emma. She's like,
0: I'm going to have sex with your husband as you when he won't have sex with you.
1: Right. And yeah, exactly. And oh, shit. We talked about all that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Brian, <laughs> next time <laughs> when you I see know, me, to come faster. Two. Yeah. This is. Yeah. You
2: have to come faster.
1: This is round two. Okay. Where, where do we leave off here? Because this, 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 I just can't. It's like, this is fucking written in Chinese. Ahead. We
2: left
0: off. <laughs> uh, <laughs> How does Jean Grey define Emma as a villain?
1: Who <laughs> cares? Okay, next question. <laughs> no, I do want to read it because it's in
6: Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> or you could ask a Chinese person,
1: shit. Yeah, Nolan is more Chinese than you are. He can write in Chinese, dude. Wait, can you really know him? Yes! I said Chao once and he was like, Ning <laughs> Wait, What was that, Nolan? Oh, I said I can't write in Chinese. I can only type in
7: Chinese because it's so goddamn hard to, oh, like, how
6: to write. Oh, uh, like, pinyin? yeah yeah, opinion. yeah okay mean? no it's, it's don't you don't
1: you don't know this is this like, like fucking rosetta stone china i mean this is, this is a, 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 a comics thing. verse i don't i don't you know i don't i don't know why we're talking and it's about america this is america China-verse? yeah it's not china verse you know thank you all right what's what's the next question jamie um the next question no one's even in china, china either no so. one's in china you're american josh and no one's in taiwan <laughs> Uh, sorry, Jamie. Go, <laughs> which rightfully belongs to China. Oh, who, who even knows that? You know, they got so mad <laughs> at me. Death Wait, I thought Mulan was Japanese, and five Chinese people descended on me, like I had. Said Jesus Christ was Muhammad. I, I was like, how the f- should I know? I've, I'm 38 years old. Mulan came out when I was like 27. Like I don't, how, I don't know who the f- Mulan is. Like, I, and they act like Mulan is f- common knowledge. You know? You know? Do you know who Agrippina hey, the Younger is? I didn't give you shit for that though. Yeah, but. You, you, no, you did. You told. Totally no, I did. did. I told you. You told all I... looked at me. Wait, like no. I, I said I understood. I was like, you don't. I, I don't have. No, to. No, that, that was later when I brought up how outrageous it was. Mm. Everyone. The first looked time at me you like I was I fucking crazy. There. Yeah, no. It was. It was not fucking cool. It was like. It was like five Chinese people and me. And you guys are all <laughs> looking at me like I'm a <laughs> lunatic. And I was like, well, do you know who the f- Agrippina the younger is? You know what I'm saying? And then you just walked out. You know. So anyway, that okay, was really but just...
2: Emma Frost is isn't some Chinese. Weird is the
0: thing? Story that's related to Disney princesses. West
1: Side Story. What is going on? What is going on? focus everybody Descended um look malia is sleeping with the headphones on that didn't even wake her up yeah. what
7: happened
1: Milan doesn't even sound
2: why are we getting hung up on this <laughs> emma is not chinese okay no
1: i know can we just <laughs> say though is if anyone wants to send a sesame question. chicken or general so's chicken from my favorite restaurant also or P. We, have <laughs>
2: we have a twitter it's at comics first please Uh, Let us know how you feel about China and also how you feel about Emma Frost, Jean Grey. Okay,
1: shut Okay, um, Kate, Kate, yeah. hey, this isn't good, this isn't yeah, good. It you're, is good. You're, you're straying, you're straying.
2: It is you good. It's, I was bringing it back to commentary. All right, right, okay, go.
0: Oh, go Jamie too. had a
1: question, though, earlier.
2: I have I have many
0: questions about what's going on right now, but the main <laughs> one that I want to ask is, in Firestar, Emma is the main villain of the series. I don't even know, like, through this. Do we see her type of villainy in a different light than we did in the Dark Phoenix Saga?
1: Uh, yeah, in- next question, go.
0: <laughs> Great. Good answer. No matter how evil Emma Frost appears and how hard she is on them, Emma always displays a strong maternal instinct towards her students. Do we think this is an important facet of her personality? And if so, how?
1: Of course, I would never have asked the question. Next.
0: Upon learning of the death of her students, the Hellions. What did Emma? What did you guys think of Emma's breakdown?
1: All right. Very few people read that. Nolan, go. You didn't read uh, that. I saw her Hellions get killed by that. Trevor Fitzroy. Fitzroy yeah.
7: But she has a breakdown afterward. I didn't read that part. Okay. Mean, uh, unslot? That was the next
1: thing. I no, that, that was that's that. way further. No, she has a breakdown because like okay, so right, so she switches bodies with Iceman, and then she like wakes up, and then she goes to check the computer to see what happens with her Hellions, and the computer's like deceased, 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 and then she starts crying, and then Xavier is like, "How about you teach at my school?" And she's like, "But I <laughs> killed all my students. They're all dead." And he's like, "Open up the Massachusetts Academy." And I don't. I, why is that funny? I'm just his voice, and um. <laughs> You said I'm a, I'm a good Mexican. I'm Puerto Rican. I'm not Mexican. Yeah. You just said I'm a good Mexican.
7: <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah.
7: I said do a Patrick Stewart voice instead.
1: Oh, I thought you said I thought you said you're a good Mexican, and I was like, thanks. I was like, you're a good white person. Yeah. I was like, yeah, not Mexican. Thanks. But um, no, I'm just kidding. Um, okay, do a good Patrick. I can't do Patrick Stewart. Like uh, like uh, hello, I'm Patrick Stewart. Oh, I never. Mind. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Oh, that was so not cool. Okay. Jamie, next question.
0: Okay. We kind of covered her losing her students. Um, uh,
1: Breakdown. Breakdown. Great scene. Read it. No one didn't. Read it. Um, it, well, it affects her for a long time. Okay. Josh, do I, <laughs> do I refer to you? and Thanks. Next.
0: Um, Emma has one of the most organic character arcs from villain to anti hero. How did you all feel about this transformation
1: of her character? Am I the only one who read it? Yes. It was great. Next. <laughs> ne- end of segment. Cut. Thank you, Maria. Welcome back to the Comics First Podcast. <laughs> we're having a sexual discussion about things. Um, no, just kidding. But no, but seriously, we're about to have a very serious discussion about uh, Truth by Susan Batson, uh, the legendary acting coach. And Susan Batson claims there's three dimensions to a human being that actors require, or a writer or an artist of comics, in order to effectively portray somebody in uh, one of those media's mediums. Uh, The three dimensions Batson defines in her book are the public persona, how a person wants the world to see them, and the public persona can also be defined as the mask we wear as human beings in order to conceal the pain and emotions that we find unacceptable to ourselves and fitting into our sense of self. The second dimension is, again, my favorite, the need. Uh, Oftentimes, we can look at the public persona and consider the opposite in order to give us some clues about a character's need, which is something requisite for them in order to survive. Uh, The final dimension Batson outlines is the tragic flaw, and she describes it as a sort of jam-up between the... A a jam-up that prevents the need from being fulfilled, and... You know, we talked a lot in episode 46 on the podcast again of Grant Morrison's new X-Men. And we had to split our time between Cyclops, Jean Grey, and Emma Foss. So um, let's just take a minute to get ourselves in the mind of her. And so without this taking five hours, everybody, public persona, need, tragic flaw, I'm going first. Public persona, uh, to be a bitch, presents hypersexual, need to be seen because she felt invisible as a child. Tragic flaw i had it before but i'm still tired uh we talked about this so many times Kay. her tragic flaw that prevents her from being seen is one thing is that she presents i I don't know if it's her tragic flaw that she presents hypersexual but you know it prevents her from being seen as a three-dimensional person i think because you know people are looking at her enhancements what that was like almost british with the politeness (laughs) but yeah people are looking at her enhancements and 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 not her so um but i i think it's interesting that she she picks men that are unattainable and like when she picks in when she. She picks Scott because, you know, she wants to be seen. She wants to be important. She wants to be number one, but she's choosing to be in a relationship with someone who will always place her in the second slot, even though, you know, he did choose her. I mean, probably because, you know, we were talking about anal, but probably because she's letting him do that. And
2: she is one to bleach her asshole. Yes.
1: Yeah, we talked about. Like
2: you're just testing if we've fallen asleep.
1: No, 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 no. We just we had Jamie. We had a whole... and I don't want people to think I'm the one who brought up the anal shit. No, I I brought
0: up the bleached asshole stuff.
1: No, I thought I brought. You brought up anal, and I brought up the bleached asshole. Is that how it works? All I
0: know is that you said that. Emma Frost would bleach her own asshole with Clorox and K, and I were appalled because that's not the kind of woman Emma Frost is.
1: You're right. She would do it with high class. It
0: would be professional.
1: Okay. Yeah. No. She totally. good to do, Kim
0: K's to do K's it. Asshole right.
1: Yeah. Okay. Raise your hand if you've ever had your asshole bleached. Go. Just kidding. I don't really want to know. But anyway. Okay. Uh, as quickly as possible. Go, K. All
2: right. So for me, your hand is very heavy. Sorry. Thank you, though. for <laughs> removing it. Okay. So, all right. Public persona to be a boss to run shit. To just, like, run shit in her life, run shit, everything, have it all. She wants to do all that. All right. Uh, her need is, I agree with what what J- you were saying. Justin. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the CEO. Yes. Yeah. I, I agree with him. Now, I agree with him, but I also think that her need is companionship or to be understood by other people. And the tragic flaw in that is that she, because she... Gives herself such an unapproachable kind of identity or like public identity or public persona. It makes it impossible for people to feel comfortable forming any relationships with her. Also, trust issues.
1: So Mm. that's just
2: not going to be a thing ever.
1: Uh, Nolan, you want to go because you seem very turned on by that trust issue thing.
7: Well, I yeah, I think I can make up for not thinking Swamp Thing has these categories, but basically, I just agree. Like her need. Because I
1: eviscerated that argument, but go, yeah, sorry, go.
7: No, I do. Like her need is like the most (laughs) universal need there is—to be to have like genuine emotional connections, to have people appreciate her, which includes trust, of course. Right. But she can't. She's been betrayed so many times, manipulated. You know, that's the tragic flaw but then what does that mean the public persona is it's like i'm i don't need anyone you know right totally like 100 percent independent
1: yeah i'm my own best 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 friend friend. sorry i just caved your whole answer um jamie
0: mine's very similar to everyone else but i would say the public persona is definitely that she doesn't need anyone at all like justin's favorite quote like i'm a diamond by definition i'm my own best friend Got that in there for you. Oh. Um, and then I think her oh. need is to be the number one need in someone else's life. Mm-hmm. Like I think mm-hmm. that her need is, and it kind of goes to the competitiveness, like to be number one, but also to be needed. And then I think that the tragic flaw is that because her public persona is that she doesn't need anyone else. Nobody like thinks that she needs anything from them. Like, cause mm-hmm. she acts like that. Yeah. So I think that her public persona kind of leads to the tragic flaw that like she just uh, and it's a kind of the trust issue as well. Like I don't trust anyone. So I don't need anyone.
1: Brian, Brian, are you stretching again, or do you no, have a fucking to say? I was, oh, okay. I was, Sorry, I can't yeah. tell the difference.
4: Uh, I it's similar to what everyone is saying. I I think that I really think her need is unconditional love from someone for who she is, and not what she can do for them, not what she can do with her powers, not what she can do with her money, not what she can do with her influence. I think her public persona is like everybody has said, like to put it frankly, like queen bitch, like don't fuck with me. I will break you. And I think the tragic flaw that comes from that is she wants unconditional love. She wants to be loved for who she is, not what she can do or what she can quote unquote offer. But because she's been hurt so many times, she trusts no one. So it's almost impossible for someone to get in, even if they wanted to give her the love that she needs.
1: No. Yeah. I agree. Jamie, you want to take this next question home?
0: Yes, I would love to. So we've talked a lot about the love triangle between Cyclops, Emma Frost, and Jean Grey. Don't I know it? Who do you think is the love of Scott's life, Emma Frost or Jean Grey? And who do you think is the love of Emma Frost's life, which Nolan brought up before?
1: Uh, Nolan, you go because I interrupted you before
7: i gotta say i don't think emma is the love of scott's life i think it's plenty likely that one day jean gray is going to be alive again she's been brought back to life so many times and and her and scott are going to be together again you know or maybe it'll be madeline pryor or Padaline meyer or whoever it'll be you know they'll they'll be with another red-headed telekinetic
0: you know
1: what did madeline pryor makes- ever do to you why do you hate her <laughs>
7: He just, it's just like they just, this is what the writers keep doing and they're going to Did a redheaded
0: telepath break your heart at some point and you just like can't Uh do Jane Grey anymore?
2: Are you sure? Sounded a little evasive. Yeah.
0: He answered too fast.
7: I've never dated a redheaded girl before. You dated uh, a
0: telepath. I got it.
7: Yeah. But, um, whether Scott is the love, I guess it is Ian the love of her life because she had such a big crush on him. No. But He sucks. it then who is it then? She didn't even start a relationship with Scott for any kind of good reason, yeah. But is lots of relationships start, don't neighbor,
1: start for good reason. For good reasons, <laughs>
7: reasons. A great bling, you know, that they had. There's no love of her life.
1: Oh, I so oh, oh, I believe that too,
2: you know, I believe that too i don't think anyone's good enough for her i think emma
4: is the love of emma's life
2: yes necessarily i actually
4: don't mean that harshly or badly like it came out badly like as i was saying it, i kind of realized it he but means it in a
0: feminist way
4: i well <laughs> sure <laughs> direct your hate mail to brian i yeah,
1: pl- not me this time thank you
4: <laughs> i just mean that with everything that's happened to her i think that the principal person whose well-being she will always look out for is herself, mm-hmm. because she's been betrayed and stabbed in the back so many times. So I think that Josh, if- can
1: you get the crucifix because we need to put Emma Frost on it? Also, Sorry, though,
4: on. in the case of Scott Summers, I'm 100% team Jean Grey.
1: Ooh ooh ooh. Go Justin. Okay, first of all, I think you all are haters of Emma Frost and Jean Grey. I don't know what's going on here. Like, I don't know. Mm. I don't know where my alliances lie beyond Jamie Rice. But you know, I. I agree and disagree with a little bit of what everyone said in all seriousness. I do think Jean Grey is the love of Scott Summer's life, but you know, Jean is someone he aspires she's to dead. be, huh? She's
7: dead, so then she's not,
1: she's in the white hot room getting her pieces back.
4: It's all right, Scott can just start hooking up with teenage Jean,
1: Ugh. Brian, Brian. Scott and teenage Scott that's and illegal, that's illegal. She's not even 18 yet what scott depends on which state scott you're in
7: teenage teen can do some weird shit together with oh. future scott
1: you know it'd be weird what if future scott Jesus, this is what you're saying what if future scott and young scott got together
7: and future future scott there's an evil future future scott who's a cyborg right oh my god He's too
0: self-loathing for that shit like he, he doesn't love himself enough to love himself
4: right yeah agreed it, it would of just of it would long. just turn into that that uh, that panel by. from the dark phoenix saga where he's like i'm brooding it's what i'm good at when they're on the cliff it would just turn into like mm. three
1: oh
3: three of them God. like brooding together
1: you know who would do it ice man would do it ice man would it. he needs to figure some shit out so he's gonna be like you know i you know i know i get i know this dick it's mine and i'm just gonna play <laughs> with it and it's gonna go i think what a great way to lead yourself to self-discovery uh <laughs> don't we all wish we could I'm not going to go there. Um oh, but have it,
2: sex with ourselves?
1: Oh, thank you. I, I was going to say something much naughtier. But seriously, in all seriousness, I, I do think that Jean is the love of Scott's life, but I think Emma is more accepting of Scott. You know, And I know that we make stupid jokes about them having anal sex, but it's like, Emma is... Emma the dominatrix loves Scott Summer so much um, that she puts herself in the position to be dominated by him in order to appease and please him. And I, I think that's so telling. And, you know, she knows she comes second rate in, in, in his life. And she's Still loves him. And she still stays with him, and I really think that's because he's the love of her life. While Jean Grey is the love of his, you know. I, I think you know Jean Grey sort of pushed Emma Frost and, and Cyclops together, in at the end of um, Grant Morrison's run. But you know, like I was saying before, there's aspects of himself he keeps hidden from Jean because he ultimately feels that she'll reject him for them, and those are the aspects he can embrace when he's with Emma. And I, you know, I think that ever since emma and scott have been together we've seen a much more chill much more in charge much more self-accepting cyclops and you know i think that's an interesting thing but i, I have to say i think this issue and x-men and talking about this very thing is is one of the great story arcs of the of the 2000s that i that have happened in my opinion so okay uh, haters go who's next i don't
0: think i've gone have i gone on this no. yet okay but i think that i'm going to echo a lot of what you said Justin because mm. I do think that I think to me it's pretty obvious that Scott is the love of Emma's life and I think that's kind of the tragedy because I think it's yeah. clear that even though Scott really loves Emma that like Jean Jean Grey feels inevitable
1: right
0: and it's just sad and I think that and I think Emma knows that like I feel like Emma like literally the entire time they're together it's like I'm on borrowed time until the corpse comes back and like takes <laughs> Scott away and I think it's because And I think that kind of I talked about how like Emma wants to be Jean. I think that's kind of one of the things, the reasons why she wants to be with Scott because she's like, if Scott can see something good in me and he wants Jean, then like I can be Jean. Yeah. But she can, of course, never be Jean, which is why she's not necessarily the little Scott's life. And I I love the answer. Thank you.
1: Yeah, I really do.
0: I think that leads really well into the next question, which is what does Emma see in Scott Summers and what does he see in Emma?
1: Well, we can
0: skip that. Well, then we can go to the next question. Emma Frost can be a polarizing character because of how her female sexuality is depicted. What do you say to those who find her to be the typical blonde bombshell?
2: I mean, I think you said this before, Jamie, but it's because she lives up to that role the same way. Like, yeah, if Jean Grey is going to be her other, then yeah, she will play up the villain. She would rather do that than be, like, uh, subservient to anyone. So I think that if someone just thinks of her that way, it's just like, okay, let them. And then I'll just stomp all over them and, like, manipulate the shit out of them. Okay, that's fine. And she does that. So, like, I think it kind of, she uses what she has, which is what I like about it. Because she's, there's no shame involved in it, which I like. And I think it's very feminist. Men, do men, men have opinions, male opinions?
1: I think that they're dumbasses, if you think that about Emma Frost, and I think that she's a, a wonderfully complex and strong female, and to only look at those things, I would say you got to check yourself before... You know, you got to ask yourself, why is it that I'm seeing that when other people are seeing all these other dimensions to your personality? Because there are plenty of times when I think she uh, breaks out of that.
4: I think that she circumvents the trope, to be honest. Like echoing what Justin said, like I, I think that the o- the only, w- to me, the only way someone could read Emma Frost as a typical blonde bombshell character is if they never read Emma Frost. Like if they saw a picture of her or the cover art of this collection that we're right, talking yeah. about and had no idea what her character was, but were like, oh, she's blonde and drawn like that, so she must be a blonde bombshell.
1: Mm-hmm. Taiwan.
7: Uh, speaking of how she's drawn, it's like. There's almost no women in any comic that's ever been made that aren't bombshells. Yeah. You know, the yeah. the in my mind, the term bombshell just has to do with the way someone looks and maybe how flirtatious they are. But mm-hmm. it doesn't really have to do with whether they're intelligent or any of many right. of other things about them. You know, so she's not. Yeah, she's hot. That's just. That's what comics artists do. They make these women who all look like that, you know. She does act differently from a lot of other comics women. I guess my question is, is it bombshell? Is it typical blonde bombshell to be really sexually aggressive in the way that she is? Or is that different?
0: I think for me, when I think of the term, I think of kind of the concept of like a femme fatale is maybe the better way to describe her. But I I think that's kind of what the question was getting at, because I think that's. Yeah. Who she is, and I think that's why we're talking about like her playing that role. Because yeah. I mean, like she got the breast enhances, she got the blonde hair. Like she's one of the only characters within the universe of sexy women in comics that is like stating that like this isn't a natural look, um, right. and she's but kind of playing like, it up.
7: Look for any of them, you know, in the sense of like what's natural to real life. Uh, I don't know, but to me, a bombshell isn't isn't the same thing as a femme fatale. A femme fatale is a manipulative person, and mm-hmm. a bombshell is just a, a sex symbol you know so like she's much more like the the femme fatale implies like a someone who's capable and who is like emotionally intelligent at the very least who can manipulate people
2: Um i mean that's the thing though i don't think that that change like i don't think her being or being able to be a blonde bombshell makes her unable to be anything else either because she can be a femme fatale she can be like literally, because she's a telepath, she can be whatever you want her to be, you know, and that's what's so interesting to me, because it's true, like she uses these enhancements and like the blonde hair. And that always just shocked me that she changed her physical being, because she could change how people perceived her if she wanted to. And instead, she's like, No, this is something I'm choosing to do. And like, it's kind of it's weird because it's weirdly counterintuitive, like a lot of things people do in the sense that she wants to be loved for all her insides, you know, like her, you know, the emotional and like, I guess, vulnerable part of her. And then she plays up this, like this role externally and nobody or like not nobody can not say nobody, but a lot of people don't get that, like that weird disconnect.
1: Guys, I'm going to speed us ahead. Sorry, I didn't want to have anything to add. All right, I'm going to speed us ahead really quick. Jamie prepared a panel, uh, a close reading of a panel, but I think we got to skip it. Sorry, Jamie.
0: That's totally fine.
1: Uh, yeah. But you can email Jamie at jamierice at comicsforce.com and she will talk to you about this panel all the time. So please do, because Jamie is awesome, and you should talk to her. So, you know, I'd love to talk about the art for a whole segment, and unfortunately, we don't get to. So can we all just, uh, in a sentence, fragment, because you guys always add 10 more, and I do the same thing. What do we think about the art, Jamie?
0: Appropriate to the comic, and very beautiful to look at.
1: Okay
2: i really like the panel designs i can't stress that enough it was really cool nolan
0: uh
7: the art in generation x is some of my favorites that i've seen in any x-men com
2: awesome
1: brian fits the story
4: incredibly well
1: i loved it as well I, I i thought it was beautiful so real quick and again i love those sentence driving guys you guys really got that okay so uh what parts of the story uh stuck out to everyone the most in the reverse brian
4: I just like the idea of learning about what made Emma Frost tick as she was younger. I, I I'm kind of a, I kind, of, I was gonna use a bad word. I'm kind of um, a lover, an appreciator of stories like that. Like I really enjoy seeing characters in their younger years and how they kind of formulated the worldviews that we meet them with later.
1: You have a, you had a curiosity about Emma Frost, and I'm wondering, yes or no, did this comic fulfill you, that curiosity?
4: Uh, somewhat, yes.
1: K panel that stuck out
2: i i can't think of a specific oh sorry no,
1: not panel what's part of, what part of the story stuck
2: yeah, out, yeah like a part of the story that i really liked i especially actually like the her second story arc in her, her uh her origin story because i feel like that kidnapping is such a turning point for her like you love that kidnapping shit yeah well <laughs> it's just kind of like i feel like some part of her was broken after that and like you see that like such a drastic transformation when she like hops on a bus and like just falls off the grid and tries to go to school you know and it's just kind of like i don't know it like i don't know it kind of i think it what fucked with me about it is that like she still had like elements of her naivete from being a child or like being a teenage girl and then after that should happen it's like no she can't go back now like she's she's broken in no one
7: I love that, just like in portrayals of the Hellfire Club and of Norman Osborne, it portrays wealth and status as totally cynical. That clicks with my political, economic
1: beliefs. Bleeding liberal. Uh, Jamie. Uh,
0: my favorite part about the story is when you realize that when Emma Frost gets the breast enhancements and the blonde hair, that she looks exactly like her older sister that she totally hated the entire time.
1: For me, it was... Three things. Uh, number one was she, that, that page uh, where she steps out from her parents and strikes out on her own. It's like that full-page spl- uh, thing. I forget the terminology. It's really splash beautiful. Page. It, is it a splash page? Yeah.
2: Or a partial splash? Or it a was spread. a splash page. i spread. Yeah, and she's
1: like, uh, okay, now we're getting crazy. But yeah, it was really <laughs> cool. And then the second thing I enjoyed was... Oh, man, Kay, you totally fucked me up here. The second thing I enjoyed was... Oh, the, the 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 panel that uh, Jamie was going to do a close reading for when she bumps into Christian's lover and then is bombarded with the thoughts of their relationship and sees the whole relationship. And it was kind of cute, I have to say. And the last one I really liked was the last panel um, that we talked about, you know, when she's walking away from humanity and she's it's the moment where she gives up. And what what's so cool is that even though the issue is canceled after issue 18, which, which that is. It fits as a full story, you know. Um, it, it totally makes sense. And uh, it's just really, really wonderful. So let's do a little bit of word association. I liked it too. Yeah, I don't give a shit. All right, before the word association, yes or no, would you recommend this book to other comic book fans and Emma Frost fans? Jamie. Yep. Nolan.
7: I would recommend it to Emma Frost fans, of course,
1: but not to non-Emma Frost. is that supposed to mean? What kind of backhanded I I would compliment was that?
7: Generation X over it to just
2: general comics fans.
1: All right, uh, Josh. No, I, I give a shit. I care. Yeah, of course, it's
6: a
2: great comic.
1: Aw, okay.
2: Uh, if you like bad bitches, yeah.
1: No, no, we're just kidding, Brian. Uh, yes, I say yes as well. Okay,
2: unanimous.
1: It's unanimous, except Josh hates it. All right, so as word association time. Uh, one word to describe Emma Frost, Brian.
4: Bitch in the complimentary sense.
1: Josh. Queen. That's not a good one. No. That's a terrible one. That's her name. Say. It's like if you're like describe Josh in one sentence and I was like Q.E. like that's your last name. <laughs> that's not helpful. I don't know. Smart. Okay, K.
2: Survivor, yeah.
1: Nolan. Uh,
0: penetrating.
1: Interesting. Jamie.
0: Uh, winner.
1: The first one that came to my mind is vagina, but I'm not sure what has to do with Emma (laughs) Frost. Um, With that being said, so uh, last question is very serious. Did anyone personally relate to the journey of Emma Frost's character? I know I did, even though there was really nothing similar for my life. But, you know, there were things that reminded me of my life. So uh, yes or no, Brian? Uh, Yes. Uh, Okay.
2: Yeah, totally. Josh. Yes.
1: Nolan.
7: I got closer to relating than I expected, but still
0: not all the way there.
1: Okay. Jamie.
0: I Definitely related pretty heavily.
1: Oh, that's awesome. That's so cool. I love that. I love she's the best, she does. And it, it was, a, it was a, I could feel the yeah. heartfeltness in that answer, but yeah. Uh, Kathy isn't here to give us one of our sign offs. And Kathy, uh, Jamie, do you want to try to give a sign off, a comics first sign off?
5: Do I have to be like witty?
1: I mean, um, Kathy would try and be witty, yeah.
0: Okay, well, I have we have the thing that we came up with before, but do I have to make it about comics first?
1: Uh, yeah, well, yeah, that's that's the okay. show, yeah.
0: Okay, this is another. <laughs> Okay, wait, wait. I'm like, got to get in the moment. Like No, um, do your thing. Right drop now. in.
1: Drop in, as Susan Batson would say. <laughs> drop into the pain. Um,
0: but thank you for coming and listening to another one of the ComicsVerse podcasts. We've gone from hellfire to hero. So... Have an amazing day and go out there and be the best Emma Frost bitch you can be.
1: Oh shit! Oh shit. Oh shit. Okay. Um, Yes. Let me thank you. All right. Malia, thank you so much for being in the first minute of this podcast (laughs) and then falling asleep. (laughs) Brian, thank you for being here. Seriously, I joke with Brian all the time, but. We would not be able to make these podcasts without him. Thank you yeah, for coming honestly. at 12 o'clock on the dot and staying here until fucking 5 o'clock in the morning or whatever it is now. Kay, you're a fucking trooper. You've been here for like a week and you're amazing <laughs> and I really appreciate it. Josh, couldn't have done everything without you and all the setup. Um, Nolan, it was nice meeting you face-to-face. I hope we didn't terrify you. I hope you're not scared and I hope you do another podcast, especially if we do cut cartoon history of America and uh, you and Danielle really got me onto Swamp Thing. What would you say? Cartoon history of the universe. Universe. Sorry. I, I, I was talking about, what was the book I was talking about before? The People's History of the United States. So I was getting them confused. Oh. Did you ever read that? Yeah. Yeah, so good. And so sad too. And Jamie, Jamie f- Rice, what is there to say? Yeah. Yeah, that's all there is to say. Yeah, that's it. So I, I, the thing is I fucked it up and we did the sign off before, but just to give another Kathy sign off because I miss Kathy, the only one I know and the one I know the best, don't put comics verse in a comics hearse. We're still alive, people. Well,